Your attention is precious. Pulled in a million directions for a million different reasons. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina works hard to make sure your health insurance isn't one of the many things distracting you from what's important. By making healthcare easier to navigate, we help keep your focus on the moments that matter most. Like dinner with loved ones. Letting you focus on you. That's the benefit of Blue. Learn more at BenefitOfBlueSC.com. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah Woo-hoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah. Yes. And wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Mic Drop, the podcast where relevancy is irrelevant and we don't give a shit about your feelings. It was the late summer of 2004. I'd been working for a number of different American organizations, civilian and military, for more than a year. The liberation of Iraq had been a glorious moment, a triumph nearly all of us in Mosul shared. When I got my first job as a translator, everyone on my street celebrated with me. Way to go, Johnny, they said. Now you are made. What a wonderful thing. But in barely a year, all of that changed. Things turned murderously bad. My job went from a thing to be celebrated to a thing to be hidden. Any association with Americans was a death sentence. If Navy SEALs loved me for helping them, Mujahideen terrorists hated me for the same thing. One morning on my way to the SEAL base, a car pulled up behind me as I approached the traffic circle in western Mosul. Instinctively, I knew what would happen. As I looked for an escape route, the car drew close and the man in the passenger seat began firing. I was lucky. The bullets missed. I veered off the road, then gunned the engine and managed to hit the other car as it turned. I jumped out, AK-47 in my hands. How many rounds I fired, I have no idea. Both men in the car died, either because of the crash or because of my bullets. I'll never know, and it makes no difference. People ran to us. As the crowd gathered, I could feel their hatred. What is it, they demanded. What are you doing? There was only one way to escape. They worked with the Americans, I said loudly. They had to die. The crowd began to cheer. A few pelted the car with rocks. Suddenly, the car was in flames. I quickly made my getaway. It was one of the worst days of my life, the day that I denounced America, but it was also the day that my escape to the United States began. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it is both an honor and a pleasure to welcome the next guest to the podcast sitting across from me. Born and raised in Mosul, Iraq, he was an interpreter for multiple special operations units spanning from late 03 to 2009. He's been on and been integrated into several thousand missions as a full-fledged operator. He's responsible for hundreds of high-value target identifications leading to to saving countless American lives. And last but not least, he taught Kareem Abdul-Jabbar how to dunk. Welcome to the stage, ladies and gentlemen. Johnny Walker. Mikey, it's a big honor to be with you. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk, to meet you, and to send the right message. 
to the people who is keep tracking your podcast. Yeah. So thank you so much. Well, I, I got to tell you, I mean, I, it, it's it's an absolute honor having you here in my home, uh, having you here in, in the United States. You know, you and I never worked together, but I can't tell you how many fucking people I know that, you know, that would do anything for you and, and, and can't speak enough uh, good words about the... Except the Johnny Hyatt, right? <laughs> yeah. Except old J.H., yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. It's uh, it's fascinating for me. You know, the, the book was, was one of those reads that... Uh, you know, any, anytime I have a guest on that has a book, I always, you know, go through it very thoroughly and take notes. But this one was was one that uh, was really, really easy for me to do because it was so, so well written and so fucking interesting. A lot of it is because, you know, me having been to Iraq and having served as a SEAL, there, there's a, a connection there that, um, you know, really, really made sense and, and just was really fascinating and, and connected a lot of dots, frankly, from, you know, a, a lot of us here in the States, even even military folks who've been to Iraq don't know the, the history uh, as well as we should of, of that country and that that part of the world. Some guys better than others. But to me, you know, what what I found really, really awesome was kind of the dichotomy of, of you having that that feeling of, uh, of, of what it is to be an American and a special operator and fighting for, for that in that country, coupled with somebody who was born and raised there and, and has that culture ingrained. And, and so I think the, you know, kind of the paradigm that, that that puts on, on the nature of the book in terms of a historical reference, I think is, is honestly something everybody in this country should read. I mean, I, I've never read a, a better synopsis of, of where the country came from and, and how it got to where it was so, so simply and elegantly put as it is with you and Jim working in this book. It was, it was fantastically written. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, one of the message behind the book, actually, I have no idea at the beginning, like you can talk and people, they can uh, love to listen to your story. You know yeah. what I mean? Because back in Iraq, as you know, we just did our job. Yeah. We did a good job. Whatever it was, we believe about what we're doing, and we did it for that reason. And when I came to United States, a lot of team guys, brothers, Tushin, Chris Kyle, Captain Steve Wozowski, he's retired, that's why I mentioned his name, they asked me to write a book, and they said, you have to. Mm -hmm. And in, in team language, is like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do it, no option. And I look at it, and... And I'm thinking about it is like, yes, I think is a good message behind the book, which is you can reach to your dream yeah. if you believe it. Yeah. And this is what happened. I wrote the book. And of course, after my brother's permission, I published the book and I reached to my dream, yeah. which is people, they, uh, they think American people, they are racist. Yeah. No, we are racist, not them. Yeah. Because I am Muslim, Iraqi, and I became a part of SEAL community, and I am the only civilian have trident in his chest. Yeah. So this is big honor and big deal to me. Yeah. So and this is give another proof, like just follow your dream. Yeah. And the only place you can follow your dream is America. Yeah, well, and I, I appreciate you saying that, and it's uh, you know it's nice to hear because I think that you know there's such a, an international perception of of America being the evil empire, and 
you know, God knows that, uh, that we've made, you know, plenty of mistakes and, and not done everything perfectly, but, uh, it, it's to me. And, and I think I would hope for most of the listeners that it's, it's both validating and refreshing, you know, to hear somebody with, with your credentials and background to, to have that perspective on, uh, on who we are as a, as a country, as a people, as a society over there trying to, you know, ultimately trying to, to get that country to a better place. But Mikey, if you go anywhere, we're in Dallas right now, right? Yeah. If you go anywhere, people, they smile, they wave. Yeah. And they're greeting you. Mm-hmm. And they know you're fucking from Iraq. Yeah. Same country. If those people, they can go, they can kill them and auction them in the fucking coffee shop in Fallujah and Sadr City. Yeah. So who is fucking racist? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I know. There's a specific story in here where you drive that we'll get into here in a minute that I... That, that that kind of thought process entered my mind, and I, I'm curious to get your take on it. But uh, before we get too far into the book and, and the background, I, I like to do just kind of a quick getting to know you on a, on a more personal level, just some some kind of bullshit lightning round questions. Um, one thing I ask everybody is, what does your morning routine look like? Morning? Yeah, every, like every morning when you get up. Is, is so first thing when I wake up, mm-hmm. as you know, I'm over 50. So I count my time now and appreciate the gift I have. So every time when I wake up in the morning, first thing, I say, thank God yeah. for what I have. I'm not a big fan of religious. I'm, I don't know. I'm fucking weird thinking about religious, but I have that appreciation mm-hmm. inside my heart for the one who is guide my steps to my destiny, which mm-hmm. is United States. So every day when I open my eyes, it's gift. Yeah. And after that, whatever is going to happen, it's going to be my paradise yeah. steps, you know? Yeah. So, do, do you take the, or do you subscribe to the, to the inshallah, God willing kind of, kind of mentality that, that seems to be fairly per- pervasive? Bro, I just told you I'm not a big fan of religious, yeah. and you told me inshallah. Inshallah, yeah. when we when we say it in my country, mm-hmm. like if I says I'm gonna see you tomorrow, inshallah, that's mean I'm not gonna see you. Oh, really? I'm using it as ex- excuse. Yeah, <laughs> so. I got you. So, it, so it has multiple meanings. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Um, I, I guess you know. To me, one of the things that I that I noticed uh, was that is it it's almost more of an excuse, like. You know, if God wants it to happen, it'll get yep. done. But otherwise, you know, who gives a shit? Is that kind of more? It's, it's kind of reality and deep word because you never know what's going to happen after one hour. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or are you going to be still alive or not? Yeah. So when you say, inshallah, if God will, uh, we announce our loyalty to God. Yeah. That's mean everything can happen. It's going to happen of God will. Yeah. So. All right. Good, uh, good explanation. I appreciate it. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious, what, uh, what is your favorite food here in the States that you didn't eat steak. until getting here? Until getting here? Steak. Steak? Good yes. steak? Yeah. Yes. I know the price of beef is astronomical. Barbecue. And trust me, I'm like my family is poor and we barely like when I work with, with you guys, 2003, I bought fridge. Yeah. The first fridge in my life to my house. Yeah. And we start eating meat, not the steak, that we don't have steak. We don't have the culture of the steak. Yeah. Uh, and when I moved to United States, 
the doctor, he told me he cannot eat any more steak. <laughs> you said told him, okay, yourself. fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to eat it every fucking goddamn it yeah. fucking time. So steak, <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, awesome. I love it. Well, you and me both. I was born and raised on that shit. So um, same question, but least favorite thing that, you, that you've eaten here that you didn't eat until you got here to the States. Like what's, uh, what's one food that you're like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe you guys eat that shit. Uh, fuck. I don't know. Fucking, I love bacon. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking great. What else? Uh, no, I mean, see, the thing is with uh, <clears throat> the American food, it's not American food. Yeah. It's multiple culture food. Like you find Chinese, you find Mexican, you find uh, American. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I mean, I love all the foods. Yeah. But I'm going to ask you what the Iraqi food you didn't like it. Let well, see, me let me remind you. Yeah. The pacha. Do you know what pacha mean? Mm-mm. The head of the lamb. Oh, okay. Like the goat grab. Yeah. Yeah. Or his stomach. Yeah. Do you like it? No, I don't. <laughs> but I, I will say when I when I was there, we were. See, we were, see Mike. Yeah. From where I come, yeah. <laughs> we eat the stomach of the lamb, and the head. So anything yeah. else? For me, is acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no shit. That's fucking great. There is no, there is no bad food. I got you. No. Just with what I do for a living with dogs, I, I know you know my perception of of uh, what it's like in Iraq living with dogs, with it being essentially a luxury. But uh, what's your thoughts on on the U.S. society, the way we live with dogs here compared to to in Iraq? Obviously, it's totally different. But yeah, I mean, uh, me and my family, my wife and my kids. We love dogs. Yeah. Since we, when we are in Iraq, we bought dog, and we spent almost like five hundred bucks. Five hundred in Iraq is a lot of money mm-hmm. just to heal him from sickness, all these kind of things, and his name Shira. Yeah. Right now we have three dogs. <laughs> That's awesome. Charlie, Marco, Milo, Chow Chow too, and Bitball. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love the American way how they treat the dogs yeah. as part of the family, but I don't like to cut the relationship with human. Yeah, just talk with with the dogs. Yeah, dog is dog. Yeah, you know what I mean. Family is family. Yeah, human is a human. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. That's a really good perspective, and uh, it's one of the biggest problems I think we run into. From a when people have problems with their dogs is because they're they're doing that they're you know anthropomorphizing or or considering the dog a human and attaching a lot yep. of those human emotions and that and, fucks things up. And we use the dog so bad, like yeah. take picture with the dogs yeah. when he do something, or yeah. we guide him to do some stuff. I mean, I understand canine; mm. he have to do the job, but we should give our personal dogs the freedom not teach them and give him the treat to do some certain stupid yeah. human things. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Some circus trick. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. All right. So I, I know you're a married man, uh, but I'm curious your take, uh, having been here for, for a while now, American women, uh, what's your take on the difference between uh, the, the the personalities of American women versus Iraqi women? I love the American women. <laughs> Especially, yeah. especially team guys yeah. with their wives. Yeah. I, I want to ask you, why most of the team guys, they get divorced? 
I think it's too... And they get long yeah. with Filipino girls. Yeah. Well... Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a whole other podcast, I think. But uh, <laughs> So I think, uh, I think it's two reasons. Number one is that uh, the, the nature of the job, you know, it, it, it highlights itself to a degree in which if you're going to be good at your job when it, when it comes to being a SEAL, like the level of dedication and, and commitment that it takes to, you know, to, to be that, that caliber of individual, I think overshadows everything else in your life, you know? And so I think that's the biggest reason is that, you know, not to say, not to take away from doctors or lawyers or any other profession, but when your life is on the line and say, you know, the, the divorce rate incidence is, is high in all first response, you know, any, any job that's inherently dangerous where, you know, where you've got to maintain a, a really high level of everything to survive and your life depends on it is that, you know, that, that kind of alters your priorities a little bit. And, and to me, my, my thoughts, you know, I was married for a number of years uh, while I was in, um, is that, you know, to me, you, you almost kind of have to pick. You can either be a really good team guy or a really good father slash husband. It's, it's really, so really hard can, to be you both. Can, you can manage both. I, I mean, to me, I think it, like when you're operational, no, I, I really don't think you can. I mean, maybe there's guys that do it and fuck my hats off to them, but, um, you know, if you're an instructor or at a, at a training command, then yes, I think you can. See, this is the good things about Islam: you can marry four wives. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shit. Mo most guys here can't fucking handle one. I don't know how they right. handle four of them. You know, if you can't can't keep one happy, you're you're quadruply fucked trying to keep four of them happy. But trust me, I have one wife, and almost like I'm gonna now it's fucking bankruptcy. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Welcome to America. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm assuming, I think I know the answer. This, this is a pre-written question, but uh, f is your favorite drink? Uh, obviously, it's you didn't have Johnny Walker uh, prior to being named that and didn't know the relation, but is that, uh, would you say your favorite drink is that or, or something similar? Johnny Walker, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and funny things like yesterday, I told um, the girl who was working the, at the um, airplane, mm -hmm. I told her, can I have Jack Daniels? And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to give her my book so I will have free drink, hold the flight. <laughs> so I signed the book because I, I saw her name in her chest, her name T. So I signed the book and I give it to her. And she surprised like big time, almost she want to cry. Yeah. I told her, no, 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 just give me a drink, hook me up with Jack Daniels. We good. I don't know how much Jack Daniels I drank. <laughs> No shit. So, yeah. yeah. Jack Daniels and Johnny Walker, yeah. my favorite drink. So the whiskey bourbon scotch uh, triple right. threat, right? Well, good shit. So uh, I've got a ton of notes written. Uh, I know we don't have uh, all day, so I'm going to try to condense it as, as best I can. But I got to tell you, I'm, I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. I got a, a shitload of questions um, and, I, and I'm looking forward to it. So we'll jump right into it. Um, growing up in Mosul back in the 60s and 70s, if you can just kind of briefly describe, I know you do a really good job in the book of, of doing that, but for the listener, if you can just kind of synopsize uh, what that was like prior to the, the height of the Saddam era and, and all that, what uh, what was that like? So I'm not compliment Saddam. Saddam, he's dictator. And he did, he steal the hope from us. But at least we have safe lives. You can go anywhere without threatening your life. Mm -hmm. Or if you are Sunni, you cannot go right now in Iraq, you cannot go to Shia area. Yeah. 
unless you have reason and promotion, all this kind of shit. But it's safe in that time. Now we don't have it. Yeah. It's pretty much fucked up situation right now. And most of the Iraqi family, they are not close to the religious. Like I remember in 1970s, my sisters, they have Western clothes. Yeah. And we never, it's almost, I never saw like female with hijab. Yeah. Only the tradition one. Now, look at to the fucking people 2018 and hijab everywhere. Yeah. And this is fucked up yeah. because I know when people go to the religious, that's mean they need morphine. That's mean they have no hope. They have nothing. Yeah. They have no enough education. Almost like a crutch. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, because it, what, what, you know, is, is hard for, I think a lot of Americans to, to wrap our minds around is, is similarly in Afghanistan seeing pictures from fifties and sixties where yeah. it looked no 70s, different than here, yeah. you know, exactly. women and men walking around and, and what we're wearing. And right do you now. know why? Hmm. You know why? Well, no, that's, that's what I, it's hard for us to, to understand why there's been so, what we would consider a regression. So if you look at to the history, we're going to go step by step if you have time. 1979, the assassin Sadat, president of Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. Who assassinated him? Brotherhood Muslim. Yeah. So when they assass assassinated him and Hashim Mubarak, they took over the president uh, position, he started targeting Brotherhood Muslim members. Most of them, they fleed to Iran and Afghanistan. And when they flee there, they start establish a new organization, which is Qaeda. And when Osama bin Laden, he came with his thought and his belief, both sides, they mixed the army professional brotherhood Muslim side and the radical Islamic thought and start building sleeping cell and all over the Middle East. Yeah. And if you look at it after 1980, the community from going to more westernized go to religious. And what has helped that radical Islamic things goes like fast, Palestine uh, with, the, with the problem with uh, Israel mm -hmm. and Iraqi-Iran war, and 2003, United States invade, yeah. invade uh, Iraq. All these kind of things help the radical Islam prove the point of... The evil empire mentality. Or, yes, or and, and Christian, they are infidel, and they want to take over our yeah. religious away. Yeah. So... It's fascinating stuff. I mean, the, you know, to me, there there should be much more um, integration of people such as yourself into our government to uh, to help, you know, a understand that and b help help solve that. Because I, I think, you know, a lot of times we're looking at things from our perspective. It's very similar to, to dog training is that most humans look at dog training from the human perspective and not from who they're trying to train. And so, you know, yeah, it, need, it needs to be done the same way. But one thing that I noticed throughout the book and, and uh, you know, multiple references to it is how close knit 
families are, you know, much more so than here. And it's one thing that I, I really admire about the culture there is, is that tribe mentality. I, I think it's, it's really neat. Uh, here, you know, there was a book a few years ago written, I think it was called tribe or something like that. And you hear people talk about tribe, this and that, it seems a little superficial, I think, but the way that, that you, that, you know, you grew up and, and, you know, the, the, the inherent, uh, influence that, that family members and, and relatives and cousins and, you know, that how tight knit you are and, and how big of a role that plays in, in your life is, is fascinating to me. Could you take a minute to talk about that? Mikey, I agree and disagree. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Yeah, we have strong relationship as family. Not because we are better human beings. No. But if you look, I mean, hopefully nothing can happen to United States. But if shit can happen, where are you going to go? You're going to go to your brother. So it's out of necessity then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because all the time we have shitty situation. And that's why we have to unite the family and make the relationship very strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's and the United States is pretty much safe mm -hmm. and bright future. Yeah. And that's why it's like when you are over 18, you're just going to go do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Because it's safe and also it's part of your genes. Because your grand and grandfather, when he came in 18th century or 17th century to this country, he used to have adventure. He used to face death, gang, Native American, uh, everything, nature, yeah. travel from East Coast to West Coast by wagon, yeah. facing everything. So as part of the genes of United States is adventure. And also, it's pretty much safe and bright future. That's why you see the relationship, family relationship, is not like Middle East relationship. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I never thought of it that way. But you know, to me, what it what it tells me is that societies and civilizations that that have the I would call it a luxury to be autonomous you know, in, in not having to depend on it speaks volumes to, to where that society is in terms of freedom and democracy and, and quality of life and things like that. I never looked at it that way. So that's, that's a, that's, that's a really neat, neat perspective. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, I, well, I, this is my personal opinion. No, I, I think it makes you perfect know. sense. Like I said, I never and, thought of it that way. And look at the people who have no hope, what they do. Yeah, they depend, they, well, they, they go, go to Jesus or Muhammad yeah, or religion or family, yeah. you know, yep. I, I respect that, but why are not remembering your God only when times are you shitty. are in fucked up situation? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So same thing with the families, strong relationship. Yeah. Because through thousand years, yeah. we've been through like dictator, injustice, all this kind of fucking shitty government, yeah. you know? Yeah. So we have to depend on our ourselves. Yeah. No, that's that's a really interesting perspective. I love it. Um, one of the things you talk about is, is basketball and track being a, an integral part of your life growing up. I'm curious. Back then, was there a an element of of playing Western sports that that was frowned upon, or was it it was popular? And and, and it was, very, my city Mosul, mm -hmm. like my cousin, he's uh, Iraqi national team. His name Mahar. Yeah, uh, and it's very popular yeah. and part of our culture. Yeah. The basketball, the football. So it's not looked at as an infidel sport no. that shouldn't be played. No. At all. Yeah. 
like I told you, the infidel believe, the infidel things came after 1980. Yeah. The Qaeda, mm-hmm. which is the mix of Sama bin Laden and the Brotherhood Muslim, they start establish that belief. Yeah. Because I remember my father's best friend, he's a Christian guy. His name is Sabiha Abu Nuri. He loved him to death. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. M- uh, me, myself. I am Sunni, my wife, she's Shia. Yeah. That makes for some interesting fights, huh? <laughs> we will talk about that. So the point is, we don't have that infidel belief. Yeah. Until after 2003, and Qaeda, they use it so smart. Yeah. So even after the first Gulf War, there wasn't a near the animosity. Like I told you, from my personal opinion, yeah. maybe I'm wrong, but from my experience, I didn't see like infidel things at that time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's really interesting. One of the the recurring themes that I noticed throughout the book, which I really really like, is is a theme of both justice and fairness. You know, from when you were as a kid of you know other students being punished to uh, you know wrongs that had happened to you that you wanted to write, not in 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 a kind of a historical biblical revenge type of context, but in a just wanting things to be fair and balanced and just. I. I and you see that as as you go further and further into your story, how how big of a role that plays, which I, I really really like. To me, what's what I really like most about it is that it's not an absence of punishment. You know, it, it's just it's a it's a fairness required in doing so, which I, I think is one of the imbalances here. Is that a lot of people in this country think that that punishment is is inhumane or or you know they're they're all positive. They're not really balanced, and so. Um, you know, has that? It sounds like, and, and it reads in the, in the book that that was a, a very common thread with you throughout your whole life. Is that kind of balance of, of you know not not being not held accountable, but if you you know if you fuck up, you know that the punishment fits the crime, and and you know to to err on the side of uh, of being balanced, vice you know one one side or the other. Before I answer your question, I just want to mention about the basketball. As you see, I'm a tall guy mm-hmm. compared to the Americans, right? Yeah. So imagine in my city, Mosul, I'm giant. I'm tall here, but in my city, Mosul, at that time, I'm giant. Yeah. So I have no option after my my family. Yeah. They get sick of me because I'm kind of trouble kid. <laughs> yeah. I have a slingshot, all this kind of bullshit, make trouble, broken windows, lights, everything. So they sent me with my cousin to play basketball. Yeah. And I started my journey. I think as a small step, guide me to the American dream. Your attention is precious. Pulled in a million directions for a million different reasons. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina works hard to make sure your health insurance isn't one of the many things distracting you from what's important. By making healthcare easier to navigate, we help keep your focus on the moments that matter most, like dinner with loved ones, letting you focus on you. That's the benefit of blue. Learn more at benefitofbluesc.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah. Woohoo! Often thinks about the old boring Sarah yes. and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, which is the basketball. Yeah. For the answer of the punishment, I agree with it. But in the same time, I never pet one of my kids. Yeah. I never had them. Yeah. Because I learned something. What is the things make me pissed off of from my dad and my mom? One, two, three, four, five, six. I never did it to my kids. Yeah. And I want them to feel free yeah. with everything. Yeah. Because if you if you think if you if you just like give yourself time. We slave our kids. Yeah. We give them them. We give them religious. We give them everything yeah. without any option. Yeah. So it looked like, you know what? I'm going to change that. Yeah. My daughter, Fatima, one time she asked me, Daddy, I'm going to the church. So why are you asking me? It's your things. Yeah. And it's your belief. You want to be Christian? You want to be Jewish, you want to be Buddha, you want to be Muslim. I'm not going to facing God in the state of you. Yeah. So this is your things. So I think punishment is need, but in the same time, we have to punish ourselves first. Yeah. Because the way how we raise our kids, and you have two daughters, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Look at them. Oh, don't do this and that. But you did it before, right? <laughs> yeah. So I think the way how we raise our kids, we raise ourselves more than we raising our kids. Yeah. So punishment is necessary, so, but in 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 modern way. Yeah, Th- that that view, like your dad fucking kick your ass. Yeah, not not too bad. I mean, I, I was a pretty good kid, but how, how about your dad, dad? Yeah, for sure. I mean, right? like, yeah. I mean, there's so we have to be flexible. Yeah, every age, yeah. every uh, time. Should be different, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious. Like, I love that perspective. I think it's a, I think it's a brilliant way to look at it. Uh, and a lot of people should should take a page out of that book. Uh, I am curious. Like, is that mentality that I'm assuming that's not very prevalent or popular in in Iraqi society? That's why I'm here, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you got the fuck out, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, it's awesome. All right, so. Um, one of the things that uh, that I found really, really funny and uh, and interesting, uh, you mentioned the slingshot earlier. I want to read a quick uh, quick blurb out of the book here. Uh, I revived my slingshot skills later while working with the seals, uh, and this is in reference to uh, you know you breaking street lights and, and using a slingshot to break car windows out of your teachers' uh, yep. cars and things like that. But says yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I revived my slingshot skills later while working with the SEALs. When we were operating in cities, we generally went on missions at night. Darkness helped conceal us and offered some protection. Streetlights were therefore an enemy. Rather than shooting them with guns, which of course made noise, I volunteered to ping them with a slingshot. 
With a little practice, my skills returned and I was able to hit light bulb sized target fairly regularly from 30 yards. The SEALs got me a high-tech slingshot made of metal, but the real secret my, to my success was the judicious choice of ammunition. Only the roundest, most aerodynamic stones would do. I took to scouring the camps for them, even naming my favorites. The SEALs may have had a chuckle, but fireball and lightning served them well. So to me, and I, and I have no doubt the listener, when I read that, I was like, holy shit, with all the technology we have of suppressors and night vision and, and fucking things, like you're out there with a goddamn slingshot, popping light bulbs like i thought it was fucking hilarious like uh and, and it's, it's not it's a story i hadn't heard even as as close-knit uh, with the community i i was I, I mean that to me that's fucking priceless so one of the things before i don't know i'm fucking weird thinking like every time you ask me a question i uh, think about something else and go back to your question i just want to say is most of the people they thank me mm-hmm. for what i did yeah and please don't thank me I want to thank everyone. And why I said that? Like, what the distance between Mosul and the United States? Thousand and thousand miles, right? Mm-hmm. Those people, they cross oceans, thousand miles, came to my city to help me to have better life. Yeah. Because they know of the fucking ISS or Qaeda, they took over my country, it's going to be a shithole fucking show. Yeah. And this is what happened now. Yeah. So I want to thank you guys for what you guys did to my country. Not the mistake. Yeah. Fuck politics and Obama, whatever. (laughs) But for everyone who sacrifice his time with his family, sweat, blood, life, in my country, I want to thank him and appreciate what, what you guys did. So thank you so much. One of the things is puzzle me sometime. Are we doing the right things? 2011, when Obama decided, and he's president of United States, pulled the troops from Iraq. Still confused me. Why? Yeah. Can I ask I mean, from from my perspective, I think uh, it had way more to do with politics than anything else. You know, uh, same thing with Benghazi. Same thing with ninety eight percent of the shit that our uh, shitbird, crooked fucking politicians do is that you know they're not thinking about what what's the best answer or what's the solution to the fucking. No, no, we problem. are not talking podcast or anything. We're talking Johnny and Mike brothers. Yeah. And we just like chit chat, you know. Like uh, this well, is confused me. Like no, I mean that's that's what I mean, though. Is it? Is he is it, fucking stupid. Yeah. I, like I, you pull the troops. Who's gonna fill the gap? Yeah. Iran. No, I, I, I think it's it's very simple. Iran and Qaeda. Yeah, I, I think very simply it's that that's something he promised when he was running, and so when he got elected, Changed. he wanted to follow through with it. Yeah. I said I was going to bring the troops home. I'm going to bring them fucking home. That's you good. Know, at, at all that's costs. good. But how about United States reputation? Yeah, no, I mean it's I, not it's not fucking small country. Yeah, he didn't give a the shit. United States is not fucking Nigeria. Yeah. It's not fucking Boko Haram. Yeah. It's not fucking Syria. Yeah. United States is the fucking nation lead the world. Mm-hmm. What the point by fucking losing our reputation I think it's without ego. any sacrifice. Yeah, I think it has more to do with his ego than anything else. You know, he he said that he would do it and so that's you know, he did it at all costs, uh, no matter what, no matter what happened, you know, unfortunately, but. Sorry, like I told you. No, no. 
I mean, that's that's what uh, that's what Mike drops all about. Is uh, we talk about fucking everything here. So Check. this this is a, a loose outline, but uh, you know, again, the one of the things that that I really like about how this is written is it, kind of the historical context of uh, of the history of the country. Uh, so I'm going to read another quick blurb here. Can I also have the slingshot? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so the slingshot, as I told you, I'm trouble kid. I have my slingshot, and when I started work with the SEALs at the beginning, you know, I'm a known person. They trust me a little bit, but also I'm thinking how I can help them because those guys are the best. And I feel fucking jealous. I fucking start challenging myself. It's like, they're not fucking better than me. I have to fucking do something, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the fucking background, Iraqi background, all the fucking bullshit, tribe. My tribe is fucking warrior tribe. It was like, okay, what's the best thing I can fucking do? Oh, shit, slingshot. Broken the fucking white light because we have a green light. Yeah. Green life. So I started doing that. And also I use it against the dogs. Yeah. Because the dogs... When we go to village. Sure. All the stray dogs rolling yeah. you up. Yeah. Like we walk, like almost we land five, six, seven miles and we walk to the village and the first thing, warning shot is the dogs. Yeah. So I start fucking uh, hit the dogs with the slingshot. Yeah. So the Americans, I know I have. Well, it's better than feeling. shooting them, right? <laughs> you know. uh, this is the next step. <laughs> 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 I mean, trust me. For me in that time and until now, I will kill whatever yeah. to make my brother fucking safe. Yeah. And I don't give a shit. So, and I will tell you one of the story happened in fucking Babel Halla. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just want to explain that to you. All right. I love it. So one of the things that, uh, that I, that I just wanted to get your, your take on real quick so that, you know, the listener can, can get your perspective on, uh, on the, the rise of Saddam is, uh, is just kind of a brief synopsis here. You say, from what I've heard, Saddam started out as a fairly benign ruler. The older people told me that he did the country much good when he first came to power. He built schools and hospitals and seemed to be working for the people. But if that was true, his thinking changed as his rule went on. He started working for himself and his friends. Perhaps the circle around him grew tighter and greedier. With less people to tell him the truth about things, maybe he thought it was fine to take what he wanted for himself rather than using his power to th make things better for the country as a whole. Whatever the reason, the results were devastating for Iraq. So it sounds to me like it's kind of a, a textbook, you know, the power got to his head. He started off good intentions and then it just uh, got worse from there. One of the things that you mentioned uh, was the indoctrination courses uh, growing up. You know, basically, where you're, I mean, it sounds similar to like the Hitler Youth Nazi programs, or you know, almost a brainwashing of of sorts, where they're they're sending a lot of young kids to these uh, Iraqi kids to these uh, courses or classes growing up to uh, you know prop up uh, Saddam as a leader. What bro? Uh, in in fucking Middle East, we are fucking sick people. Mm -hmm. Soon we get the power, we use it in negative way. Yeah. We can make our family rich and our tribe rich mm -hmm. and fuck everyone else. And what are we can do? We can establish fucking intelligence, security, everything for for our chair. Yeah. And this is what happened in Syria now, in Iran, yeah. in Iraq. Name any Arabic country. Yep. 
is about me. It's not about other people. So we are sick fuck. Yeah. We don't have the education of democracy. We don't have the education of freedom. And this is not mean bad or good, but it's reality, mm-hmm. is fact, it's not function. Because people under dictators, kings, and justice for hundred and hundred and hundred years, mm. they cannot change in one day and one night. Yeah. And this is one of United States mistake when they came to Iraq. Yeah. They think, okay, I'm gonna give him freedom and they're gonna be happy. Yeah. We we, we don't we don't understand the freedom yeah. as you guys know. Sure. One of the, one of the analogies I, I've heard and, and I I think makes sense, which which again is hard for us to to understand because we're not looking at it from from the local perspective, is that it's like pr- uh, prison breaking a prison and then expecting the the prisoners to to behave. You know, is that when when you're when you're you know dominated and 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 oppressed and living under such an iron fist for so long. And, and it's pretty, pretty consistent throughout the entire region is that once that now all of a sudden isn't there, there's, there's like a power vacuum and now everybody's just losing their fucking minds. This is one. And second things, let's have some illusion, me and you, Mikey. I'm going to give you freedom, but you are starving to death mm-hmm. for food, you and your kids. What are you going to do with fucking freedom? Yeah. Right? It's not that valuable if you don't have anything else, right? Right? Yeah. So you have to have the foundation. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's so. A this is the big mistake, and I say did in Iraq. They give a freedom without foundation. Yeah, of education, of the freedom, or the tools to enjoy the freedom. Yeah, and this is where we fucked up. One of the good things. I'm sorry, I'm gonna interrupt you. You know, I work with you guys, and it's my honor, and I think I'm so fucking lucky. I told my son Mustafa, he's fucking giant, big guy. Yeah. 14 and a half years old. I told him, you have to be proud for what we did. Your attention is precious. Hold in a million directions for a million different reasons. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina works hard to make sure your health insurance isn't one of the many things distracting you from what's important. By making healthcare easier to navigate, we help keep your focus on the moments that matter most. Like dinner with loved ones. Letting you focus on you. That's the benefit of blue. Learn more at benefitofbluesc.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I never mentioned I because 
Without my family, uh, I did nothing. Look at all the sacrifice we did as United States in Iraq. Can I go back again to Obama? It's gone. For what? Just to make change. Yeah. Just to make few people happy. And and to stroke his own ego. I really I really think that was a big part of it. You know. Uh, yeah, it's fucking terrible. You know, and and that'll be a recurring theme as we kind of you know go through this book. But so here here's a, an age gap thing that I found interesting, but uh, but would love to ask you about. Uh, you know, in the military. You were in the military during the in, the initial uh, invasion of Kuwait, where where Saddam tried to annex it, uh, and it seemed to surprise most most of the country, like they had no idea that it was going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, like and, I told you, he ran the country, him and his family. Yeah, because he reached the level he don't feel uh, anyone loyal to him except his family. So, yeah, yeah I just woke up in the morning, and I remember I'm going to the hospital. And I hear in the news, Kuwait became another province. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking. It's fucking Middle East. Everything fucking Everything's happened. for grabs, right? You know? Yeah. And so so you were part of a, an anti-aircraft unit up in the north, up in, in the Mosul area. So you, you really had zero involvement in that in terms of participation. And then even once the U.S. got involved, um, you know, that there was... that's one of the things I found very interesting was that the the disconnect, you know, here in in the United States, you know, if if we were being attacked, like the entire military for the most part would be, you know, either mobilized or, or playing some role, Um, you know, and and I, I I found it fascinating that that there was such a a disconnect there with, even in the Gulf war, like you you had almost no involvement in terms of fighting American uh, forces. Bro, I love the way how you explained that. And I disagree about the American mindset compared to Iraqi. Mm-hmm. You cannot compare the United States to Iraq. Until now, I'm 53 years old. I have no one feet land in Iraq. So why am I going to fucking fight for Iraq? It's different between Iraq and the United States. Mm-hmm. You have a house. You have your memories, right? You have everything. Something happened. You can fight for what you have, right? Yeah. If you have nothing, there's nothing to fight for, is it? So this is the difference. Can I tell you one of my new friends of mine? His name Tom Bouffier. I met him by an accident in German Festival in San Diego. You know, and after that, he took me to Miramar, ba- Miramar uh, Base. And he showed me the airplanes, helicopter, all the bullshit. And it's like, what are you fucking doing? I want to fucking see blonde chicks. I want to see fucking drink. I want to see this and that. Yeah. Why he wasting my time? So I'm thinking, and he says, oh, there is smoke. Big smoke. I look at it, yeah. Okay, it's fucking smoke. The place I came from, there's no smoke. That means something weird happened, Right. So I told him, yeah, it's only smoke. And he getting weird more and more and more. And I told him, come on, bro. It's only fucking smoke. What the fuck is going on with you? He says, yeah, it's only smoke. 
told him, so it's not your fucking house. Why do you care about it? See the mindset? Yeah. He says, yeah, it's not my house, but it's my country. Yeah. Uh, well, and so to me, again, it's, it's, it's powerfully See, the, fascinating. The different. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and I, again, learn, I learn from you guys a lot. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what I mean is it's, it's hard for, you know, me, especially as a military member, but I think for most Americans, you know, to, to really grasp that because it's so, so different here that way. You know, and again, I, I think one of the biggest problems uh, we as a country have had in, in dealing with Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, uh, you know, Syria, everything over there is that lack of perspective of, of understanding, you know, that, that adage of know your enemy. Um, not, not necessarily that, you know, there's, there's a, a, a much smaller faction in terms of what's considered the enemy, but still you've got to understand their, their mentality, uh, to be able to both defeat them and then also to ultimately solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah, to solve the problem. To find so, the yeah. best solution yeah. to fix it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. One thing I won't uh, delve too far into into the personal aspect, but uh, this is when you met your your now wife uh, around that same time, right before you enlisted. One of the things I found interesting: you can actually buy your way out of service if you're if you're rich, uh, which yep. which again is uh, it's, it's speak- kind of rules like you can pay money mm-hmm. and they can uh, excuse you not serve in military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's. Just, I mean, that's one more wedge that would drive between, you know, the upper class and everybody else, I would think, in terms of having a disdain for them. But back to uh, just the, 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 what you went through to, to get your, your wife, you'll have to help me with, uh, with the pronunciation of her name. I cannot. Sohelia? I cannot. Yeah. You can't, you can't help me with it? No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even pronounce so it? So her name is Nostohela, and this is the first time I can announce my uh, wife's name. Oh, shit. Just because of you, Mikey. Oh. Her name, Beda. Awesome. Amazing woman, smart. Thanks God I have her in my fucking life. Without her, I will be fucking lost. Yeah. She's fucking real hero. Yeah. She sacrificed a lot. She she paid the price yeah. of the freedom. Uh, you can tell. I mean, the, the stories that of the shit that she went through throughout, you know, the entire book is is mind-boggling, honestly. I mean, I mean the the strength in that woman is uh, is truly remarkable and inspiring. We can call her yeah. And you will listen to one of the story. Yeah. Most of the people, oh, Johnny Walker is fucking hero. Fucking bullshit. She's the fucking hero. Yeah. I have all the power, all the seals yeah. behind my back, cover yeah. me. She had nothing. Yeah. Only only two things. Faith and love of Johnny Walker. Yeah. Only two fucking things. No weapon, no ear support. No seals, nothing. Yeah. Only those two things. Yeah. Faith and love. Yeah. So. Uh, power, powerful impact on uh, on the story in, uh, cr- across the board. I think it's uh, it's really remarkable. The and one of the recurring themes that you'll uh, that you'll get from this book is perspective. You know, if there's one one word I could use to to describe uh, what I continued to find myself thinking about is is such a fucking lack of perspective in this country for you know the things that we bitch about you know starbucks isn't warm enough or there's too long a line at fucking mcdonald's or you know my air conditioner isn't working quite as well as i would like you know and and to read about the things that you and your family and the entire country you know went through during this entire story is is humbling honestly i mean it it really is It, it makes it makes me want to choke myself uh, and slap the shit out of myself and every every American that that every ever bitches about some of the things that we bitch about for for what you guys went through. But one thing I uh, 
again, uh, looking at some of the contrast between our society and, and, uh, and yours is, is how male oriented everything is, especially like with the wedding process that you talk about and having different rooms where only men are, you know, discussing issues and how big of a culture shock has that been moving to the States of seeing how, how different that is. You want to listen to a funny story yeah. and my wife. So we have love story, me and her. Love story, deadly love story. And she live in End Alley, her house to the left, and my cousin and my uncle left and right. So they called me and they said, Johnny, there is someone want to engage uh, Beta. I told them, what the fuck? They says, yeah. Bring your fucking ass now. <laughs> All right. I drink a couple shots. I have pistol, 14, uh, Peretta. I went there and it's like, what's going on? Soon they hear I am in the area. They close the door. They lock it. I pull the trigger and I'm ready to kill. I knock the door twice, three times, four times. No one answer. The guy who's one engaged beta he is an Iraqi army. He is general. Much Gen older. Yeah. Yeah. And powerful and rich. And general, he can fucking kill me with no reason. He yeah. don't need to have reason to kill me, you know? And no consequences? Nothing. Yeah. And this looks like, you know what? I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Yeah. That's it. Done. Because we have, like, I don't know. I mean... Same thing with you. Someone mess with someone you love, you're going to do whatever mm -hmm. to protect the one you love, right? Yeah. So he know I am outside and I'm about to kill him. And part of his male Middle East, he have to fucking uh, prove his fucking male things, you know? Yeah. So he opened the door soon. He opened the door. I shot him. <laughs> and he closed anyway he called the cops the cops they came so romantic they, yeah <laughs> the cops they came the iraqi police and uh, they know who i am yeah because i'm kind of a little bit famous playing basketball high jump and the guy who's in charge about the patrol his name ala he know me and they told him hey this is what's going on he said you know what fuck him yeah do whatever you want to do. No shit. I hear nothing. We saw nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, so anyway, yeah. so this guy, he's fucking run away from fucking roofs. And this is big no-no. Yeah. Like, he's fucking pussy. Yeah. So He cannot fucking face any male in his life. Yeah. A 14-year-old just punked him out. Yeah. 14-year-old <laughs> on, on, on shots. And, and, and my wife pistol. now, Beda. Yeah. Every time when we remember that, we just laugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fucking great. I love it. Sorry that, for that. Don't try that at home, 14-year-old kids that are listening. <laughs> um, all right. So you do your couple of years in the military, largely unaffected by uh, the first Gulf War. Um, you get out, you start doing some construction, have some issues with uh, uh, your brothers jailed and, um, you know, you're driving a truck and bribing police. Like if you could just kind of bridge that gap between yeah. when, when you got out of the military and, and going through all the, the shit. I mean, cause to me, like the, 
your brother getting thrown in jail and, and having to bribe police and all that again is, is hard for us to, to really rec- realize here. So is the bribe is part of our culture. Yeah. It's part of our daily living database. Yeah. It's not something weird. Like now, if you go to DMV and you pay the money to one of the fucking employee, oh, that's fucking weird, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Over there, if you are not going to do that, that's many are weird. Yeah. You know, so anyway. So my brother, he uh, he have garage. Uh, he's me- smart mechanic. And he fixed one of the generators, small generator, to one of the Fidei Saddam, Johnny Heil, best friend. And he finished it, and he gave it to the fucking guy, and he asked him to pay him money for his label and the part he he fixed it. He told him, oh, well, Fidei Saddam, you know, you have to cooperate with us, don't ask us, blah, blah, blah. He told him, hey, that's good, but my kids... They need fucking food. And Fidei Saddam, they are not gonna fucking enough food to feed them. Big argument. My brother fucking beat the shit out of that guy. They came Fidei Saddam and they took him and put him in the jail for three years. Jesus. I started working fucking truck driver. We saved money. All of us. Me, my wife, my kids, my mom my brother, wife, and the kids, we eat no meat for almost months because we want to save money when mom visit my brother in the jail so she can give him uh, enough meat and enough food. So so she, you guys had to bring extra food to your brother in jail? Or so almost we death, right? eat half meal to save money and give it to my brother in yeah. the jail. Man, all for kicking Same, Same one who is fucking Qaeda, kill him. Yeah. Kill my brother. Yeah. Just because he supports the Iraqi army with bread. Yeah. Qaeda kill him. Yeah. So. It's, uh, again, it's, you know, every, every page of this book makes you realize how, how lucky we are, you know, in, in this country to... to uh, have the freedoms and the and the flexibility that we do to live the way that we live and, and how precious it is and how hard it needs to be fought to maintain. But, uh, and I, I love that aspect of it. Um, so as, as that goes on, um, now 9-11 approaches and just real quick, I noticed, and, and we saw it and heard about it even here. And, and it was something that, you know, similarly to some of the things that I think our country has done in, in Iraq to, that has inflamed you know, some of the relations there, burning Qurans and, and, you know, doing stupid, stupid, insulting things that piss people off that don't, don't help anything is that nine eleven was, you know, in, Bro, this is celebrated. Let right? me, let me correct that. Remember when I told you, Mikey, about, I'm not a big fan of religious. Mm-hmm. So if all the holy books established by God, why we die for it? Why not God fucking protect it? Yeah. Like if someone fucking break Quran now and he burn it, maybe he, he can hurt my feeling. But I'm not going to stop him. Mm-hmm. Because if there's God, should God fucking stop him? If it's not, why am I doing fucking God job? Yeah. yeah. 
I love it. I, people, I, I people killed by name of God more than people killed by name of devil. Agreed. So Quran, when they burn Quran, is the only fucking stupid people have no education. They cannot be best off. Yeah, it's the only book. Yeah. I guess, you know, my point, though, is that, you know, the... You know what I mean, Mikey? No, 100%, I do. I mean, this is my personal opinion. No, I agree. I, I think it's the same thing with, you know, the, the cartoons of, of Muhammad being drawn where people yeah. are getting fucking murdered over. So? It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, but my I guess my point is, is that similarly, like when we saw 9-11 being celebrated over there, um, you know, in... in this, uh, this is different. Yeah. See, we move from Hollybook mm -hmm. and God's Responsibility... To human being. Mm -hmm. I, I a human being is a human being. Yeah. I mean, if we walk me, you, and Eric, and Logan now, and we have car accident, hopefully not. <laughs> or fucking airplane crash, yeah. hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. As long as you're not. They are not going to come, and they can, uh, oh, you're American, you're Muslim, you're Jewish. No, they can save whatever they can to save, right? Mm-hmm. A human level. So this is fucked up what happened in night when fucking uh, 3,000 people killed in that day. A human being killed with no fucking reason. Yeah. Just because Qaeda, they want to have revenge from infidel. Yeah. So this is different well, between Ben and Quran. Yeah. And uh, the human side. I guess I, there's an element that I view it kind of the same, though, and that, you know, to me, on both sides of the token, in terms of what you mentioned, is that where was God on that? You know, if, if the expectation is for him to protect the Quran, shouldn't he protect, you know, the, the Twin Towers from being flown the fuck into also? And know? how about the fucking thousand years of slavery? Yeah, no, I mean, agreed. So You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess my... So I'm going to leave God business. Yeah. For his, yeah. I'm not gonna involved with being fucking stupid to be the only one who's fucking have his sword. Yeah, fight for him. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I feel the exact same way. I guess I'm curious what you know. I will fucking fight for you, for Johnny Hyle, for my community, my fucking brother Navy Seal. Yeah, more than fucking God. Yeah, with all my respectful. I'm gonna have to give you an amen on that one. For all my respectful, you know. Yeah. Can I tell you, do you remember I told you the story about I will kill whatever? Mm -hmm. So can we? So we have mission in Babylon and Hella, south of Iraq. And we have uh, Iraq interpreter with us. And that time we shared the mission with Ranger. And the Ranger, they lead us. And always I am with the lead guy, because my point is to save Iraqi life mm -hmm. and save my fucking team too. They went across this fucking highway street with all the white light. I told him, hey, let's fucking broke the fucking white light. He says, no, 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 we know what we're doing. It's like, okay, whatever, <laughs> fuck it. I'm not gonna have fucking argument. One, two, three, four, five guys fucking pass the fucking highway and we started getting fucking shot. So first thing I did, I thought fucking broke in the fucking light. You remember, my fucking enemy is fucking white light. Yeah. I'm fucking a green boy. So anyway, I look at those after I fucking broke the light, I start fucking shoot the guys. I don't know if I killed or not. 
but I so fucking like fucking Hollywood movie. <laughs> fucking Apache came and boom, 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 fucking big fucking gun came. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. I just look at it and it's like, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Anyway, mission complete. We head back and one of the turb with us, he went to the fucking uh, sergeant major of the fucking ranger line. He told him, oh, why you guys let fucking Johnny Walker have weapon and shooting fucking innocent people? Mm -hmm. Innocent people. It's not hurt my fucking feeling. So uh, the sergeant major came to me and he asked me in the front of the guy, hey, this and that, and this is what he said. So okay. So if he is innocent people and I killed him, that means he's going to the heaven. Do you have a problem to send someone to heaven? He says, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> if he's a bad guy, he's going to the hell, right? He says, yeah. And I told him, guess what? If I so fucking you, point your fucking weapon to one of my brother, I will kill you. Mm -hmm. And I have no problem with that. Yeah. So don't try my fucking patient. <laughs> and that's why you're Johnny Walker. So, right? so this is one of the things, loyalty. Yeah. Smart loyalty. Yeah. To people fucking like Johnny, Johnny fucking Heil. When I came to United States, Susie, his wife, took my wife to Casco. Do you know how many, how much money they spent? Probably at Costco, so probably fucking two thousand dollars. Susie, <laughs> yeah, three thousand or four thousand dollars. Until man. now, we use some staff from two thousand fucking nine. <laughs> yeah. So this that, is my fuck, Costco this is my fucking family, bro. <laughs> I love it. I mean the. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is my fucking loyalty. Yeah, yeah. Let's go back. Do you remember? It's not my country. It's not my house, but it's my country. Mm -hmm. I raise and. Born and raised in Mosul, but I educate and establish loyal feeling from fucking Navy SEAL. Yeah. So thank you guys. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, it's, uh, to me, it, it's. Sorry, it's, I took you fucking. No, it's, that's, that's the, that's the beauty of this fucking podcast. One is there's no time limit. And two, there, you know, everything is, is, uh, or nothing is off limits. It's all on the table. So I, I mean, fucking go, go where you want to go. I'll, I'll try to bring you back if we need to. But, but uh, no, I love it. I love your perspective on so many things. It's, uh, it's really. Does that really, mean I'm a drunk or something? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Okay. No, no, you're fine. Um, the one of the things that, uh, that that I again, this was something that you know, growing up during the first Gulf War and then being involved in, uh, you know, in the the initial invasion um, in '03. Post 9-11 until we came into the country, I didn't realize that Saddam kind of really used 9-11 and, and really hyped up the religion aspect to, to increase the, the, the tyranny and the, and the grip or the noose that he had around your guys' neck. Can you talk about mostly I think what, what I'd love to, to hear about and what I know the listeners would love to hear about is, is what that was like. From, from you know living under somebody like that at at the height of when he was the most corrupt and the most tyrannical and whatever like uh, can you shed some light on that? So there is famous saying in the Middle East: have sharp sword with ayah Qurania, which is mean uh, part of Quran, 
in your hand and you will lead the fucking uh, people yeah so because, basically use religion to, to motivate war yep yeah and that's what he did yeah and everyone know fucking qusayya and uday his kids yeah they fuck fucking iraqi females they were notoriously anywhere. fucking horrible anywhere. right yeah, yeah. anywhere they yeah. just took fucking girls from fucking street and they establish her education in Iraqi community. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about when he killed Saddam, when they hanged him, but I didn't like the way how hang him because first day of Eid, second thing is he hanged by Iranian and we let that shit in our hand. Yeah. You know, so on Saddam's times, there is no education. Yeah. There is, there's no hope, brother. Well, the, the like I'm hoping now, yeah. after we finish the interview, we can have massage or something. <laughs> massage. And we'll get, the, we'll get these two over here to, to hook us up. <laughs> and we can have something, you know, we hoping, right? Yeah. Or we can have shooting, we can have barbecue. fishing, barbecue, name it, right? Yeah. We don't have that fucking hope. Yeah. We don't have future in Saddam's time. So, uh, you know, you, I remember hearing <clears throat> stories of, of some of the, you know, opposition and government, and he would, he'd have people kidnapped and fucking tortured, and, and the stories about his sons, Uday and Kusay, just, I, I, again, that's something I think that's very, very hard for people here, especially when you get... You know, from a political standpoint, a lot of the, you know, the the left wing, you know, people that that scream that we're being oppressed. What do you mean and, by left wing? Uh, Demo uh, liberals, okay. the, the Obama, you know, the the Democratic Party, yeah. you know, where they're always screaming about how how much injustice goes on here in the country and how, yeah, and, you know, and yeah. you know, to contrast that of what it's like here versus a place like that that's truly fucking oppressed. I think liberal they need to fucking shut the fuck up. Amen. Fucking after a. after. Yeah, what 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 they did in Iraq? Mm -hmm. If they care about a human being, yeah, million innocent people killed mm -hmm. just because of the name of change. Yeah, for leaving. You mean Obama pulling the troops out and all yeah. that? Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, because ISIS and undid. we have to face them again. Yeah, instead of like in that time, General Petraeus, mm -hmm. he run the country so good. Yeah, pull the troops. Went to shit. Militia run Iraq and ISS. We get ready of ISS. Now we struggling of the Iraqi government because eighty percent of the Iraqi government loyal to Iran. Yeah, Jesus. And we want to punish fucking Iran. Yeah, sanction right. Mm -hmm. So it's a they're battling it out. Who established that? Yeah, fucking Obama. Yeah. So yeah, that's got to be really frustrating for you. And I'm curious. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit before we come back to the, the chronological I'm going to tell you story. something. And I learned that from from you guys. In that time, like, I mean, deep in my heart, I'm doing the right things. Save innocent people, kill, do whatever with the fucking bad guys, bad people. But sometimes I kind of confuse about the American politics. Mm -hmm. And I told one You're of not the, the only one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, at that time, I never been in the United States, you know? Yeah. And 
I have my own things, you know. So I told one of the guys, hey, this and that. And he told me, Johnny, when you go to the mission, do you have any problem with people? No. Do you want to have people? No. Do you want to save people? Yes. You're going to do your best. Maybe sacrifice your life. Me and fucking Tushin, Jason Tushin, one of the missions in Fallujah, I'm hoping if I head back from fucking that mission, if I lose one arm or one leg, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're able to sacrifice sure. our life, our parts. He says, do your best in a small piece of big picture and don't worry about it because those pieces, one day they can gather and they can do the right things. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing, and that's what I believe. Yeah. All the fucking Obama confusing me, stupid things he did. Yeah. Still believing about build my small piece. One time, those small pieces, it's going to connect, and it's going build, to the build the right decision yeah. for this nation and for other weak people, weak human beings. Yeah. Look to the United States as land of freedom. Yeah. So I love it. Um one of the uh one of the things that I'm curious about and, and we've kind of already talked about it, so I think I know the answer, but I'm gonna ask anyway, is that when the initial invasion happened and you know, was there a sense of of nervousness on your part? Uh I mean obviously I, I think everybody did to a certain extent, but from your, your comment about if you don't really have shit to fight for, like you're, you're a lot, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the problems we've run into in, in getting reliable troops. They don't really give a fuck. So it's hard to train people that don't really give a shit about fighting for, and that's why they, they bag ass when ISIS comes rolling around the corner and they're just like, well, fuck it. They drop their shit and run away. But what was that feeling like during that initial in, invasion of America? Were you, were you worried for your family's safety? Were you excited? Were you, or what was kind of the, the general feeling where you were living? Do you remember when I told you about the guy who um, who saw the smoke mm-hmm. and he says it's not my house, yeah. but it's my country? Do you think if we have most of the Iraqi people like this guy, do you think United States invade Iraq? No. Easily? No. So this is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have it. Yeah. And we think United States came to help us. Yeah. Not came to invade our country. Yeah. It was interesting. Some stupid people fucking says, oh, they came for fucking oil. Yeah. And fucking this state, Texas, they have oil more than maybe compared to Iraq, more or less than Iraq. Yeah. So it's not about oil. Well, if if we came there for oil, I don't know why it's still three fucking dollars a gallon, right? Right. (laughs) You know, like if if that was the case. Oh, and fucking... Texas, yeah. $3. Oh shit, California. It's five. California and fucking yeah. San Diego, four, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's got to break your heart coming from there, yeah. and now, now paying. Yeah, I look at the fucking uh, <laughs> yeah, wreck fucking truck. Yeah, and this is two fifty nine. It's like not fucking bad. Yeah, I look at to my fucking California, San Diego, my Mercedes. Yeah, four dollars is fucking fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. I know it. Um, so during, I guess during that uh, that invasion, so you got you got recalled back. 
uh, kind of as a reservist or, or something like that, right? Basically, well, where you, you kind of had to remobilize. But what I found really interesting, and again, I, it makes more sense now hearing you explain it, but being woken up in the middle of the night by an explosion in Mosul, uh, checking on your family, like I, I found it fascinating that during the invasion, like the, the military wasn't really that, that mobilized. You know, like you were sleeping at home with your family woken up, and even when tomahawks are being dropped on parts of the city, you go and look and see there's no collateral damage, like it's very pinpointed attacks. But like at that point, they didn't mobilize you guys. Like that to me, that's crazy. I remember when they attacked in Mosul, they attacked the main post office Mm -hmm. in Mosul, Jadida. And there's, I don't know, Tomahawk, but fucking smart missile. Yeah. Attack that building and destroy that, only that building. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking, where are we going? Yeah. I'm normal guy, and I know we're going to be fucked by United States. How was Saddam Hussein thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we can go back to the same story. Sick fucking Middle East leaders. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, they let their ego. I mean, well, so here's the thing, though, is that similarly you know i think it's an order of magnitudes you know leaders here have similar issues they're just not as exaggerated because they don't have the same level of power you know it's not power but is there is like me and you we talk about obama fuck obama all this kind of shit right mm-hmm. what do you think if you are fucking in the middle east oh, you get, talk about king or yeah you get hung for we that will be shit. fucking yeah. killed right or yeah. ayatollah yeah so I mean I guess that's my point is is that it's it's orders of magnitude yeah it's it's levels of magnitude it's it's the most severe in, in the Middle East but but the the principles a lot of the principles of of the corruption of power and and uh, you know using certain elements of of authority to to your benefit they still exist here they're just nowhere near as bad because there's ch- you know better checks and balances and a better foundation and, and things to fight for but. I think you see that again. It's a textbook example with Obama, but um, you know, in, in pulling the troops out, that was a, that was an ego thing, just like Saddam was an ego thing, and saying "fucking bring it's it different. on." You think? Yeah. So, born and raised in Middle East, with the, all the fucking bullshit things going on. Mm-hmm. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot! And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah often thinks about the old boring Sarah and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over 100 casino-style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast. With first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Ven a JCPenney y descubre nuestra nueva e increíble selección de jeans para el otoño. Con opciones versátiles para usar y combinar a tu manera. Encuentra cientos de colores y estilos para todos los gustos. Además aprovecha grandes ahorros en las marcas más populares. Como Levi's, A&A, Wrangler, Arizona Jean Company, Lee y más. 
No te pierdas las increíbles ofertas en jeans todas las semanas. JCPenney, vale la pena. Es que establish sickness leaders. Yeah. Like Obama, he's fucking sick fuck. We agree about that. But he cannot pass any rules unless United States fucking agree about it. Yeah. Because there is thousand the checks and balances. thousand people to check his balance. Yeah. yeah. And they can like right now, him and Hillary is almost kick out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Imagine from all the United States the president, him and Hillary, the only fucking two people when he announced something, no one give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know it. I'm not saying Trump is the perfect one. Yeah. But he's the one who is fucking keep his promises. I respect him. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think uh, you know he's, he does a lot of things that uh, that aren't popular, uh, but they're effective. You know, and uh, my hats off to him for for sticking with it. But um, so, what do you think? Let change the position. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Trump when he announced about Muslim countries travel ban? Uh, oh, the travel ban. Um, you know, I mean, my take on, on immigration as a whole, I guess. Uh, no, no, no. He says about Trump, trouble bad, not immigration. Well, I mean, I, I view it similarly. Is Anybody coming to this country, I think, should be vetted hard. I, I do. Um, you know, whether it's travel ban uh, policies, immigration policies, to me, it's it's ultimately I, I, I simplify it in saying, okay, here here is our bubble. Any motherfucker that we're letting in that bubble, let's make sure that they're not not here to do the wrong things. How you go about that is fucking tough. It's complicated. Um, in terms of your question of what do I think about it, I think... Do yeah. you think he's racist? No. I, I think there's... Why? A, why don't I think it? Um, because, uh, you know, to me, if, if if there's a concentration, you know, whether it's a neighbor... Mike, I apologize. I have to be harsh with you. I'm asking it. you a question. No, bring yeah. it on. You know, I, I, that's what we're here for, you know. Check. Uh, you know, the from my perspective, it's it's... It's the same thing, you know. It's it, it's not racist to say. Here's a group of. Can fucking you give people. me what um, evidence? That what evidence? Like he's not racist when he said that. Well, to me, I think the term racism gets thrown around way more than it is. I mean, the, the textbook definition of racism is 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 basically ex- exerting the the position that one race is superior to all others. Now, you could use the term maybe prejudiced. You know, or uh, you know, racially selective, but it's it's not racism. I mean, th- that term is so overblown that it's one of those things where you know it gets misused to the point where it, it almost has no teeth anymore because of it. But my examples of of where he's not is that you know his policies are consistent. You know, they're they're not singling out. So any, you give me no no evidence that he's not. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say give me an, an example where he is. Okay, I'm going to give you evidence. Okay. He is not. Who would live, who live in the United States? Anybody, everybody. Can you name it, like, in general? I mean, whites, blacks, Hispanics, Middle Eastern, Chinese, Religious? religious. All of them. Muslim? They yeah. live? Yeah, everybody. I mean, okay. like, it's open to anybody. No, no, I mean, who live? I know it's open. Mm-hmm. Muslim, Christian, Jewish, infidel, whatever, right? So how is racist? And you want to protect Muslim? I mean, you, you can't have from, both ways. From from people, yeah, they have no database. Yeah, right, right. So this is one of the evidence. 
Yeah. Second thing, we saw what happened in Syria, right? Mm-hmm. Where is the fucking uh, people when they want to run away from Syria? Where did they go? Yeah. I mean, mostly to Europe, Western, Western civilized countries that are very similar okay. here. <clears throat> Let's have some hallucination conversation. So those people, they live thousand miles from Arabic countries mm-hmm. or next door? Oh, thousands of miles. I mean, no. the, the, their own neighbors didn't take them. No, next door, right? Europe? No, Arabic countries. Oh, yeah, who, who wouldn't take them. Why? Yeah, because they were problems, and they, and they couldn't vet, you know. So they are they not racist. I mean, I don't know how you'd be racist against your own people, but. They are not racist, but when it's from, he says, I want to double check about the database. Yeah. He's racist. Yeah. I mean, it's a... Is he the fucking joke? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's total bullshit. I mean, and, and to, to me, again, like... You catch my point? A hundred percent. And I agree. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Uh, it's uh, so com- fucking completely. stupid. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, to, and to me, like, that's my and point with, with like immigration. Like country, or, like Saudi, UAE, mm-hmm. Qatar, Kuwait, yeah. Bahrain. Yeah. They can't fucking build compound mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, on the border. With hospital, movies, schools, spend mil- billion dollars, right? Yeah. And they don't. They don't. Yeah. They don't welcome them. Yeah. And when Trump, he uh, want to protect his yeah. his house, like your house. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, racist. Yeah, I mean, that's my point is that, you know, to me, immigration is, is all encompassing. You know, whether it's coming from Mexico, whether it's coming from the Middle East, whether it's coming from Asia whether it's coming from fucking Canada, is that anybody that's coming here, like we should know who the fuck they are. And if there's no database and no, no ability to really vet that, you're rolling the fucking dice by letting and them in. You know what? You know? Call me fucking racist. I don't give a shit <laughs> yeah. if I'm going to protect my family. Yeah. I, no, I mean, to me, it's not. Like, and again, I think that term gets thrown around so much to where people are confused. You know, I am the, the only fuck fucking Muslim went to social, not, I mean, the social media asked me. I support the Trump decision mm-hmm. about travel ban. Yeah. And I get a lot of fucking threaten, a lot of fucking bullshit from Muslims living in this country. Yeah. That were pissed about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like simple and yeah. easy. Yeah. If you don't like it, fucking go away. <laughs> yeah. If you don't fucking feel this country is your country. Yeah. And I'm supporting racist president, fucking go back. Yeah. To Iran. Yeah. The holy place or Saudi yeah, where you'd be. What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, where you'd be tortured for having an opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, but one of the things I, I found uh, that mirrored my experience was, uh, you write, and then suddenly the atmosphere changed. U.S. soldiers arrived in Mosul, and it was like a holiday. People were excited and happy. Kids swarmed around the procession of Army vehicles waving. Soldiers threw them candy, and a few gave them toys. There was suddenly a feeling of celebration and liberation. People were overjoyed that Saddam was no longer in charge. The surge of relief made us dizzy. And again, uh, this I, is Sunni area. Yeah. Which, I mean, and, and yeah. You I mean, know, now they supposedly, uh, Sunni people support Saddam. Mm-hmm. The most people fucking happy about Saddam's gone, the Sunnis. Yeah. And I did fucking good business. Yeah. I buy fucking beer and I sold it to the American people. It cost me $4. They give me $20 because they are quick. <laughs> yeah. And one time they give me fucking MREs. It's like, holy shit. What the fuck is going on with that? Yeah. 
I took it to my fucking house, and I gathered all my fucking family, yeah. my wife, my mom, everyone. Listen to this one. You will like it. I start open it, the emory. I remember it's chicken. And we scared to death from the fucking heat, heater. Mm. <laughs> How <laughs> we hate it. Yeah. And my, ma- my mom asked me, God bless her. She said, uh, this is only for like general or colonial. I told her, no, mom, this is for everyone. She said, we can lose the war against them. Yeah. People care about soldier, give him uh, dessert, food, everything, and they don't fucking have difference between officer and fucking enlist. Yeah. They can win the war. Yeah. Son. Yeah. They are good people. Yeah. And, and again, and like, imagine my mom. Yeah. She is an old woman. She have no education, only life education. She said that. Yeah. And so to me, that, that's one of the things that I, I see over and over in this book is is such a neat perspective of, of stories like that, of, of, of really seeing it from your guys' viewpoint and, and just how powerful some of the, the differences in that perspective is and, and more importantly, valuable. You know, the, the value that, that you and your family and, and, the, and the perspective, generally speaking, from the Iraqi people is so fucking valuable for us to, to listen to. Uh, I, I find it fascinating throughout the entire book and especially sitting here, you know, talking to you. I, I, uh, thank you, brother. I feel, feel very fortunate to, to be able to do so. Hey, so thank you. It's my fucking honor yeah, to be yeah. with you, Mikey. Likewise. So moving forward, you, you, you had some, some troubles with getting into uh, the interpreter gig uh, through a, a series of, you know, favoritism for the, from the Kurdish. There was a you know, oh, Kurdish okay. guy that was a pain in your ass. But, uh, you know, we, we don't, I don't think we have time to get too far into, into those weeds. But, you know, basically, you know, walking four and a half, five miles to, to an interview where they basically say, fuck off, you're not Kurdish. And Do you think because it's healthy? What's that? The walk? walk? No, no. I know, like you, because you had, I have no money. You, you had no no other other option. I have no money, and and that's yeah, one of the one of the things I have written down here is the the feeling of despair not getting that first translator job as as a father. I can only imagine how how tough it must have been. It's, having... His father and is my American dream. Yeah, like I told you, I'm not a smart guy. I'm fucking find myself in fucking uh, Iraqi community, fucking giant. Yeah, so I have to be. Play basketball. Yeah. Play basketball, you have to fucking listen to Kenny Roger. <laughs> you have to fucking watch yeah. John Wayne movies. You yeah. have to watch Harlem Team. So I end up with fucking American Dream. And I have it. I have it in my heart. And I remember one time when I'm fucking 20 years old, one guy, he sell Western fucking clothes hiding i bought fucking jeans i mean jeans is fucking you can buy it anywhere yeah. but t-shirt with new york on yeah. it that's something weird yeah so i bought that t-shirt new york and i walk in fucking uh, market of Mosul main market and one of the people he called me mister mister yeah. is mean i'm foreign yeah. i'm american or yeah. And this is give me fucking 
good feeling. Yeah. Oh shit, I'm fucking American. <laughs> I'm a now. Mister now. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, play basketball, all this kind of shit, build the fucking American dream. 2003, when you guys came to my country, I told you I want to be selfish. Thank you guys came to my country. I am here. Yeah. My dream goes through. Start so hard yeah. to find job with you guys mm-hmm. because it's money. It's good money. Yeah. Well, that's- in that time, there's no violence. There's yeah. no car bombs. There's no anything. Yeah. Everyone fucking love American and like you mentioned, uh, it's pretty much safe. Yeah. And I didn't get the chance. Yeah. Working four or five miles, go to the airport, and the fucking the guy who was in charge about uh, put the interpreter on fucking schedule. He's Kurdish. Mm-hmm. Supposedly nine o'clock, my meeting with the unit, and nine o'clock is past nine ten. I know it's fucking stupid for you guys. Like, oh, it's only nine o'clock. What for me in that time? It's my whole fucking life. Sure. 9.10, nothing, fucking 10 o'clock. And I talk with him and he says, wait, treat me like I'm fucking his slave, which is I have to handle it because I'm looking for my kid's benefit. And yeah. my family is like, all right, he disrespect me, no big deal. But after two hours, I cannot handle it anymore. I have the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, like before reading the book and, and really knowing kind of the intricate details of, of the story, there's there's such a, a a valuable lesson and a recurring theme of of the struggle that you went through every fucking step of the way. Like I, I think myself included and most people when they when they think of the interpreters is that, you know, it, it was a just, oh yeah, you're an interpreter, come with me. Like I didn't realize how much shit you had to go through just to get fucking hired. And, and, and honestly that it, it was basically. Do you think it's worth it or not? Well, fuck yeah, absolutely it is. You know, I mean, it was. How many civilians have fucking tried it in his chest? Zero. I mean, you're the only one, you know, so. So it's fucking worth it, right? Yeah. But, but, you know. Good, good, big things. Yeah. Big fucking sacrifice happen. Yeah. But think for, for the only things I brag and I proud about it. And I have fucking big mouth about it. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking trident in my fucking chest. Yeah. The that's, only fucking one. Yeah. No, I mean, that's Another thing. things, if you told me you're a fucking hero, I'm going to tell you you're a fucking faggot. <laughs> you know what I mean, Mikey? Yeah. I don't give a shit. But <laughs> this, this is my fucking honor. Yeah. No, I love it. It's fucking, that's priceless. Um, I, you know, but looking at it from that perspective is that, you know, the, the feeling of despair or, or desperation and not knowing, I mean, like looking back on it, yeah, it's like, okay, well, that that justifies, you know, what, what you got out of it, but you wouldn't have known that then. Like you were, you were putting in, you know, a, a ton of, of hard work and and, uh, and faith in, in that process. Heart, right? What's that? Follow your heart. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what, what I'm, I, what, I'm so fucking dumb, stupid, <laughs> fucking redneck I, guy. I disagree with and you. And I just fucking follow my heart. Yeah, no. I'm doing the right things, you know? Okay. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you're... And you're we being, are a double but amazing things. Yeah. I, but, I mean, to me, and, and we'll talk about that here in a second, is the is how big of a, 
um, uh, an important role character and, and personality plays in, in you getting to where you were. But I found it interesting that basically the way you got hired with the group of MPs was almost by accident, like yep. walking home. There's a group of women that are pissed that are arguing and they can't really communicate. And you kind of half-assed. And how much money I have in my pocket? Coins, like, and, and you were trying to decide cent. whether or not you wanted to buy smokes cent. or food, and you, know, and you bought some of both. And so, I'm struggling mm-hmm. by food. Not food is not fucking enough money for food, but struggling between buy smoke, take taxi, yeah, or keep the money to my kids. Yeah. So next day when they go to the school, they have money. Yeah. So, what do you pick? Yeah, Mikey. Well, I mean. The the father in me is going to say give it to the kids, but you know you you walked got some smokes. Well, selfish, some, right? right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you what do you a think? Couple of smokes, right? Yeah. So I'm struggling. Yeah, and I saw the fucking girls. Mm-hmm. They want to fight with fucking Americans, and part of our culture, we have to protect women's. Like right now, I'm in your fucking house, right? Mm-hmm. A woman came here and respectful woman, and you want to beat her. And you're my brother, right? Mm-hmm. I have to fucking protect her. I have no fucking option. Part of my culture. Yeah. Protect women. So it looks like, thanks God. Yeah. I have fucking 50 cent. Yeah. And who's, I'm going to fucking fight tonight? Fucking American people. Yeah. Against my logic, against my destiny, against my fucking everything. Yeah. So I'm walking and I'm just fucking complaining like fucking bitch. <laughs> about my fucking destiny. Yeah. And shit. Not the smart, but something fucking smart thing jumped in my mind. Hey, I'm going to walk a little bit fast, faster than the fucking girls, because it's fucking kind of darkness. I can fucking organize them. So I walk and I told the fucking sergeant, Sergeant Bert, God bless him. I love him to death. He is the first one. He told me, Riyadh, I love you. And this is like big motivation to me. Yeah. Not in fucking gay way. (laughs) And fucking American people. Yeah. They love people for who they are. Yeah. No fucking big deal. So anyway, so I went to him and I told him, hey, in my fucked up language at that time, can I fix the problem? He says, okay. And I think Sergeant Bird, he's thinking with himself, oh, another fucking stupid. He cannot take care of the fucking headache. So when the fucking females, they came, and I look at them, and I know them, they are fucking hookers. And hookers in our culture, sorry, fucking American life, they deserve no protection. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, fuck you, go away. So when the guy, he showed me how I have the power to kick out the women, he thought I'm fucking the new president of Iraq or something. <laughs> You're either the pimp, a pimp or the president, right? Yeah. few minutes, <laughs> yeah. fucking guy, he came and he talked shit about yeah. Iraqi interpreter. And I'm not. And he talked shit about my honor. Fuck you, this kind of fucking bullshit. So I beat the shit out of him. Yeah. And Bird, he says, after fucking separate us, you want to work with us? Yeah. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> I almost fucking yeah. lost the fucking hope. Yeah. yeah. Could have gone either yes. way going into that one. Yeah. 
I went back to my house in that night. I didn't tell Beda or anyone because it's fucking fragile, virgin news. I don't want anyone interrupted because, you know, we believe about black magic, all yeah. this fucking bullshit things. Yeah. Until I get the job. Yeah. So no, I love it. I mean, and again, it's a, it's just such a testament to your determination and, uh, and your heart, frankly, you know, because you just, you keep grinding at it. And I, I love every aspect of it. Um, the first time I, that I can recall hearing about you was, um, through, through the network of team guys that, that you were coming here is that, um, you know, that, that there had been, um, you know, the steps put in place to, to get you to come over here. I, so I, what are you feeling? I, I thought it was awesome. You know, and you're a Christian. You're American. Uh, I mean, I was raised a Christian. I would say I'm I'm kind of apathetic at this point. Yeah. But but you're American, a Christian. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, Iraqi Muslim guy, mm-hmm. and you feel is this fucking part of your fucking mission to help mm-hmm. this guy, right? Absolutely. Another fucking message yeah. to American people. Yeah, you guys are not fucking racist. <laughs> well, I love you guys. Yeah. Well, likewise. I mean, I'm I'm glad you're here, and uh, it's refreshing to hear you say that. Another question: Can we flip? By all means. Nobody ever interviews me on here, so yeah. I, I take take the opportunity. When you went to Iraq mm-hmm. with Johnny Heil in 2003, mm-hmm. tell me before you go to Iraq, what kind of thing picture? you have about Iraq? For me, it was... As warrior, I respect and I love. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Uh, for me, it was a little bit of a feeling of the unknown. I mean, every, everything that I... Are you went to just revenge, fucking kill no, everyone? No, not at all. Fucking attack, fucking 9-11, this and that, or... No, not even close. What's your... My motivation and, and my thought process was was very simply is that, you know, I'm with my brothers. Our government has decided for us to come here and do this. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and, and try to have us all come home. There's, How about if your government is wrong? Uh, to me, it's not for us to decide at that point because it doesn't matter ultimately is that, you know, my, my focus and all of our guys focus at that point was to, was to keep each other safe and fucking come home. You know, so is bottom line is fucking, the politics, Fam- family rules. Yeah, the politics it's at that not, point don't it's fucking not matter. Politic. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. But do you think if the politics have good call, liberate people of Iraq from dictator, it's going to help you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it was, you know, I felt uh, a positive feeling of of being able to to provide that. You know, of seeing the brutal dictatorship. You see the kids. Sorry. The kids, yeah. At first, I mean, it was what they what they did to you guys. It was like in being in a parade. It was like being in a parade. They like, smile. Oh yeah, trying to you know coming up and handing us candy or us handing them stuff. And I mean, it, refresh your memory. Mm-hmm. What they do with the fingers? Yeah, the, yeah, the right peace fingers. Yeah, this is victory. Victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was surreal for sure. You know, I mean, I I didn't know what to expect. You know, half half of me thought. The, you know, everybody's going to try to kill us. The other half thought, fuck, who knows what's going to happen. So, so everyone, he's fucking listen to us. I pulled the notes book from Mikey <laughs> yeah. and I closed You're the one it. guy I would let do that, by the way. And we just talk from brother to brother. Yeah. No fucking agenda. 
tell me story. Mm-hmm. Tell me something. Touch your heart in Iraq. You know, for me, the, I don't know that I'd call it a turning point, but the, the point at which I, I felt like we were really doing something special uh, and doing the right thing um, was when we were up, um, it was crossing from, uh, there was a small town called, I believe it was Anumaniah in the southern Not part money, of, yeah. um, southern part of Baghdad. Yeah, Namania. Um, and, and there were, as I remember. You guys see the difference between what he said and yeah, what my, I said. My cracker, cracker ass white boy pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the vibe, like the energy that I, that I got from, from the local population and, and especially the kids, uh, was, was, you know, just like, you know, that, that excerpt from the book where that, that everything changed kind of feeling is I wasn't expecting that, you know, I thought there'd be maybe tolerance, but not an acceptance where there was at one point where we were invited into people's houses to, to have tea with them. Uh, you know, when we were in the Northern part of our, uh, Baghdad and, and then moving up into Tikrit. But for me, that was, that was a really special moment because it, like I was not expecting that, that type of hospitality. Johnny Heil. You know him, right? Mm-hmm. I can call him right now. Yeah. Most of the people, they think we are fucking savages. We are mm-hmm. fucking killer. Mm-hmm. When we have a sniper mission, right? Yeah. I can call him right now and ask him what we did in Iraq and sniper mission. Guess what we did? Mm. Told fucking American people who have no idea what the fucking Navy SEAL sniper mission is. You can, you guys fucking listen to exclusive story. You know what we did, bro? Hmm. Johnny Hyle <laughs> make salad. Yeah. Make food to the Iraqi family. Yeah. We, uh, not me, but the guys, they gather money. They give it to me. I went to the fucking market. Yeah. Buy food, head back. And fucking, we cook the food to them. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember reading that. There's, there's a couple of, a uh, couple of notes here. If you don't, if I may. Yeah. Uh, the that, Shut that up, brother. No, no. That uh, that story, um, in conjunction with a number of other ones, when you're actually doing operations, is again something that I didn't know, uh, and something that I, I would love to, to you know, kind of so get this in is kind detail, of prove, Mikey, and that's why I ask you when you go there. What's your mindset? Yeah. It was 9-11. I have to kill all the fucking Muslim, all the bullshit, because most of the people, this is what they think. Yeah. You know? They think. They don't think. Yeah. Yeah. They don't think you're fucking human being. You're fucking good people. No matter what the politics, they can ask you, but you can do it in fucking SEAL's way. Yeah. No, I I agree. Which is... Do the right things. Yeah. You know, how many times they ask you to fucking uh, capture killed and you went to fucking wrong house, mm. capture killed zero, and you pay money to the family. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So and most other is, countries wouldn't do that. I mean, no. take a look at Russia and Afghanistan in the eighties. Like they were fucking brutal. And I think, I think that invasion kind of set the, the standard. Russia and Afghanistan. Yeah. How about Russia and Syria now? Yeah. Same thing. But I, I, in terms of the, the pretext. And Iran. Yeah. But in terms of. I, and I Iran see, is Muslim country. Yeah. Look at what they did. Yeah. To the people, torching yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Fucking hang them with fucking towing. Yeah. So the United States is the exception. 
and not the United States, the nation. Yeah. Because there's difference between United States and nation. The, the you, people. You carry the fucking nation in your shoulder. Yeah. And represent the whole thing. And this is one of the things that's going to take us to different topic. The flag. Mm-hmm. Flag. Flag. And to the NFL, who was not fucking salute the flag, mm-hmm. I'm going to say thank you for not saluting our flag. Not because you're fucking good or bad, but because you're fucking ignorance, you ignore the fucking sacrifice of my brothers. I remember fucking Johnny Heil sweat his ass with the fucking radio, went to the fucking sniper mission, apologized to the fucking family, pay money, or kill fucking bad guys. We pay the price for you to be fucking famous. Mm-hmm. And now you pay us your respect through fucking not salute our fucking flag. Mm-hmm. So thank you, because you prove this country is fucking free country. Yeah. Again, like and the- I will do my job, and you will do your fucking job too, Mikey. Yeah. We can protect. We can do what we believe to do, to let to let the fucking ignorance use advantage, and be fucking more rich. Yeah. From our blood. That is uh, brilliantly put, by the way. I, uh, I love the way that you that you uh, communicate that. I think it's fantastic, and I fucking love hearing it. So, uh, what I'm curious of is where where did that? I mean, we talk about the the reception, right, of of American troops and it being very very positively positively received at first, but the, then there was a pretty big paradigm shift where now it turned into the insurgency, and now there's foreign fighters from all over the place. Can you describe kind of that dynamic of, of when it switched from being relatively positive and everybody was happy that we were there to where now everybody fucking hates us and how that transpired? Okay. Let's go back. 1979, right? Mm-hmm. When the assassin uh, Anwar Sadat, uh, they flee to Afghanistan, right? And Osama Bin Laden flee to mm-hmm. Afghanistan, right? Let's shut down the story. Let's go back in 2003. What United States did. Do you remember about the freedom we talk about? Mm-hmm. Freedom with no foundation, with no tools. You cannot enjoy it with your two daughters, right? You have no enough food. Freedom means nothing to you. The big mistake United States did in Iraq, first, they divide the country. They bring Kurdish, Sunnah, Shia, whatever. And also, they give no fucking job and they release the Iraqi army. What is going to happen? It's reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am lucky and I have the American dream and I work with trying so hard to work with Americans. Other people, they have another dream to protect Iraq from invader you want to fight them and they took that side yeah who is decide who is right or wrong the future yeah i'm not saying i'm right 
because I took the American side. I'm not saying I'm wrong, but United States make a lot of mistake, make the people who is fight them, right? And my evidence to support my world is now who's gonna run the country? Hadil Amri, Badr Kurd, who have loyal to fucking Iran, mm -hmm. he can run fucking the country. And the United States, they can do nothing. Yeah. Because under the name of democracy. Yeah. So I hope I answer your question. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it goes back to, again, what you said uh, earlier and that the, you know, freedom without the foundation. And to me, I, I see a shift uh, when that started to take place. And you at the at the time were still working for the MPs, you know, the regular army, military police. But there was a, a specific attack where I think you really crossed over into being an operator, really, or, or taking on that mentality of not just interpreting, but but doing it. And um, you know, basically, that's what you told me, guys. At the first time when I worked with you guys, mm -hmm. you are interpreter. Yeah, but I mean, even before after then, after that, yeah, I figured out I'm not fucking interpreter. Yeah. Well, so one of the things I wrote was, um, as the insurgency grew, um, I'm sorry, the, if you can talk about the attack, sorry, where you, you switch from just being an interpreter to fighting for your country, where you, there was an instance where you actually grab a gun from a cop who's not doing shit and shooting it, uh, at some attackers, like where you, you're like, fuck it, I'm getting involved in, in whatever. I mean, to me, that was kind of where you went from just interpreting, uh, you know, for, for the military to police to now where you got involved and they actually commendated you for it. Okay. And again, it's the only, uh, and fucking Mikey show. <laughs> I'm gonna, it's a lot of firsts on this one, Inclu yeah, right? including, uh, I, I will say, including a guest that actually fucking swears more than I do. So I love it. <laughs> okay. That's another first. <laughs> I feel safe. Yeah. You're, you're very safe. <laughs> so, Working fucking with military police. And we have mission to surround fucking coffee shop who is selling weapons. And American mindset. They have to have everyone have hats. That means he's friendly. American think mindset. Stupid fucking sign. So anyway, I'm not the one who was fucking decide. I'm fucking only interpreter with military police. I went, and this is not my unit to care of that mission, another unit. But they asked for extra help, and they sent me. I volunteer. I went there, and I know the fucking area. I know the fucking deal. And I saw the fucking shit, and I feel they know the American fucking hat mm -hmm. sign. There's something weird, because they thought... Fucking enemy is fucking stupid. Mm. And we are Americans. We know everything. And this is fucking wrong. So anyway, so they run away. And suddenly we are end up with fucking shooting. The cops fucking run away. And one of the cops with me, he want to fucking run away. I told him, hey, just fucking stop, man. How the hell is that going to kill me? I don't know, right? I took his fucking AK from him, Russian fucking AK. And I saw the fucking leader of the fucking black market. And I follow him with fucking civilian, with no fucking stupid hat. And he uh, he went to the hell. 
I follow him and I start fucking, I shoot him. I shoot his fucking legs. And I shoot another two guys. I think I killed them. <laughs> so anyway, I finished my fucking mission, which is capture, killed leaders of the black market. I, I killed them. I not killed them. I fixed them. And I head back to the fucking uh, police station. And they have debrief about how much they are fucking successful mission, this and that. And they saw me. And they says, we have to fucking uh, promote this fucking brave cop. Because all the fucking military police, they fucking run away. And they left me behind. Yeah. And I'm the only one who's fucking chasing the fucking leaders and finish them, fix them. They says, Riyadh. We can give him fucking ring. We can make him fucking captain. Turns out you're not even a cop. <laughs> I told him, so I'm not police officer. Yeah. I'm not even fucking cop. I'm your guest. He says, yeah, by the way, we have to thanks our interpreters. <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah. So for all the Americans, people listen to us. It's not fucking joke. Freedom, we pay the price. 9-11, we pay the fucking price. Not for American people, because we are the fucking nation. For everyone fucking believe about the American dream. Who live in fucking China right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's fucking Jerkov. Maybe he's fucking think about fucking Mustang. Maybe he think about fucking fishing trip and fucking Alaska. You can't do your fucking American dream. Yeah. If you fucking believe it. Yeah. But it's not fucking free. Yeah. You have to fucking pay for it. Yeah. This kind of transitioned you into where, you know, some other other folks within the special operations community saw or, or heard about What do you this. mean a special operation? Uh, within the SEAL teams, right? That's kind of how... how Can you, you say it's just SEALs? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting protective of the brotherhood already. I love it. Uh, so hey, within, within the seal, I get shocked from my fucking wife, right? I know it. I know it. I mean, we just so I'm gonna attack everything. It's <laughs> yeah. uh, Logan. Yeah, stop. <laughs> it's not fucking helping me. So by the way, Logan, he's the fucking. Uh, he's the guy behind the walls who's fucking make everything fucking happen, good to go and happen. Except the fucking donut. <laughs> he says, you can find donut and coffee. Right, Logan? And when I came here, there's nothing. Yeah. Only bourbon. Yeah. And donuts and coffee. Hey, thank you, Logan. <laughs> All right. So uh, at any rate, so this, this uh, story of, of when you uh, grabbed the rifle and uh, went to work on these assholes got the attention of the SEALs, and, and that's what kind of led to your introduction to them. What I found fucking humorous was that uh, that your your English was actually pretty shitty at that point by comparison to a lot of the interpreters. Uh, but again, you know, kind of highlighting the the importance of character and and heart being the most important thing is that you know you skyrocketed and, and catapulted yourself based on your your actions and bravery and and, and character uh, in, into working with the seals because of of who you were as a man. Uh, less, you know, in, in terms of how good you were at, at speaking English. So uh, can you talk about that that transition? 
I mean, you cover everything. <laughs> you have nothing to me. <laughs> I'm just I'm just talking to myself on my own fucking show here. Um, I, I guess that you know I wasn't expecting that. That you know that when you you admittedly you're like, hey, bro, you say it. Kind of I mean, terrible. I cannot cover anything else, yeah. but it's fucking big deal to yeah. me, like to be part of the fucking sealed community. Mm-hmm. And I am the only fucking one who's fucking have any weapon he want. Yeah. We went to ready room. I took any weapon I want. Yeah. Did you have a favorite? Uh, I mean, it depends it's on fucking stupid M4. Yeah. <laughs> I like fucking AK-47 because you can't fucking put it in the fucking mod. Yeah. And you start fucking shoot it. Mm-hmm. M4 is like fucking kids' toys, like Johnny Heil said. But it's about the trust. It's about the love. It's about the... Family things. Johnny Heil. We have fucking mission to Lafar. You know what it is. Oh, yeah. And every time when we go to the fucking mission, Mikey, his fucking son picture on the fucking wall, and Eva, his daughter, and what we do, we touch it. Yeah. And it's fucking weird, bro. Mm -hmm. It's fucking give us fucking positive feeling. Yeah. We can be alive. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's great. And we are. Yeah. Me and him. It's fucking weird, fucking Johnny Heil. Yeah. What I what I loved reading was how how ingrained you became with the SEAL teams. And I think, you know, our entire community fucking loves you to death. You know, I mean, I... Because I they are fucking weird, right? No, I, I think it's fucking awesome. I, to me, like the... You hear my wife, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. she acts like fucking team guy, right? <laughs> yeah. She acts like a team hey, guy. Hey, I love you guys. Fuck you and hang up on I you. I love you, but I have to go. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, uh, you guys fit right in. And I mean, to me, that that's what I love about the, 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 the culture of the brotherhood that is the SEAL team. SEAL teams transcends race, religion, or, you know, country of origin, yeah, fucking all of it. Like, you know, you, you became part of, of our, our community relatively quickly considering the circumstances. Um, and, and I just like, to me, it's, it's such a cool fucking story, uh, to, uh, you know, having been part of that community and, and being able to, to see some insight and, and hear your, your perspective on it. Um, two fifteen. Mm-hmm. What does that fucking mean to you? Well, let's. Uh, Can I? Are you taking my notes from me? Um, I'm the only fucking guy. I'm that I, the that only fucking one. My notebook right here on the fucking show. Out of, out of respect. The um, With all my respectful. I didn't mean fucking disrespect no, no. or anything. You know no, that? No, I'm tracking. What is 215? I mean, to me, it's, it's and, like. Uh, no, 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 hold on. I am the one who's fucking run the show, not no, you. Is that right? Yeah. In five words, what are you going to put? Five words. Five words, 215. Um, because I know you're a fucking politic guy right now, and you have fucking politic degree. And I, I don't. Fucking I'm just gonna, I just run my mouth all five, day for a living. Five words. Five words. Um, 215. What does fucking 215 mean to fucking you? To me, it means uh, a brotherhood. One. Family. Two. Um, lifetime. Mm. You're not. You're not accepting lifetime. I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. 
It's not. It's, it's my fucking show. It's not your right? fucking show. Yeah. It's the Johnny drop now. Yeah. So, brotherhood, family, family. We used to hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. So, nope. You're not. You're not letting that one pass. Nope. Yeah. What are you looking for? I don't know. You don't. So Something you, touch your heart. Yeah. Something that touches. I mean, shit that does touch my heart. I, I know. It's a number I'll never forget. I know. That. Oh, this is one. Mm-hmm. Number I never forget. One. Yeah. I consider that one. Okay, that's one word? Yeah. I got you. Second. Uh, part of who I am. Second. Okay. I consider that. Uh, I am the judge. Yeah. A jury and executioner, apparently. Yes, sir. Uh, I can fuck you, you don't up have, You don't have a fucking pistol in your waist, do you? The... Uh, it's hard to put into words. Honestly. Three. I consider that three. All right. Four. To, well, to me, it's the impact that those guys, the, the brothers lost. The fifth. Brothers lost. Brother lost. From two. Thank you. Thank you. So, hey, five words. All right. Can I move to another topic? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking killing me, Smalls. Your brother. Yeah. You lost. Mm-hmm. Many of them from 215. What's your message to your kids through make, your brother you lost? Make make his sacrifice worth it. What? Um, honor it by doing what he can no longer do. Are you going to take selfie with his fucking grave? You won't see me ever do that. Nor no, no, I. I'm just asking you. No. And... Mm-hmm. What are you going to tell fucking people and fucking 9-11 fucking take selfie? I think it's bullshit. You know, Thank but you. But here's what I would say is no different than... We respect. Flag. Right, but no different than... We with, respect. With we not, respect them. Yeah. We respect what, what they think, but please, it's not about fucking your fucking face. Yeah. No, I, I agree, but to me it's, it's similar to uh, what the flag thing is that it, it proves that we're a free country. You know, by by having the ability to do that. What's nine eleven mean to you? What what nine eleven means to me is is it showcases or it showcased uh, how how unified our country has the ability to be uh, under those circumstances. Nine twelve is is how I wish our country was right now. Do you think fucking uh, what happened? Mm-hmm. I mean, the sacrifice, the three thousand people killed. 9-11, you know there is a million people killed because of that, mm-hmm. innocent people. Yeah. How do you share those fucking people pain? Do I share it? Yeah. I, I share all of it. I think it's all a travesty. Okay. Another question. I see a lot of tattoos mm-hmm. in your hand, right? Mm-hmm. In your arms. Can you tell us? What they mean? Please. So the one on the left um, is a snake around an anchor. By the way, guys, tomorrow or when uh, Mikey decide, he's going to fucking take picture and he will post it <laughs> yeah. in social media. Yeah, you bet. Go go topless here. Uh, in short, the, the left is a snake wrapped around an anchor um, and it comes down on my 
on my chest here. It's just the Navy, the Navy's version of the Gadsden flag, the don't tread on me flag, but with the, with the anchor rattlesnake mm-hmm. around. What it is it? Can it's the, it's the Gadsden flag. You, you said Navy. Mm-hmm. It's not fucking army. No. Are you fucking racist? <laughs> yeah, Fuck. Do you see pro- that? Probably. Yeah. The other one is, uh, is the Trident. It's a, it's a, love a, it. a, a rendition of it, but it's all of the aspects of the Navy SEAL Trident that goes up, up on my chest also. That's yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. Hey, so, one of the things yeah. I want to do it, and I want to take it with my fucking, uh, to my fucking grave, mm-hmm. it's fucking Trident. Yeah. In my fucking chest. Yeah. A lot of people, they say it's fucking, it's fucking so fucking painful. Mm-hmm. And I think they fucking feel or they think I'm fucking pussy. I will fucking do it. Yeah. Hook me up with one of the fucking uh, tattoo guy. I will. He's in Tucson. I will do it. Yeah. All right. I will do it. Absolutely. Last question. Yeah. Mikey, funny mission happened to you. So we were on a convoy going from, uh, from Baghdad to Tikrit. And, uh, and so we were stopped uh, for a, a period of time, for several minutes, just sitting there. And uh, I, I was uh, about to shit myself. And uh, What? It got, yeah, I mean, I had to go to the bathroom. I had to shit so bad that I, I couldn't wait any longer. So I, I walked in front of the vehicle. Fucking Navy SEAL. I walked in front of the vehicle. Navy broad, fucking SEAL. Broad daylight uh, in the middle of the street <laughs> and just pulled my pants down, squatted down, and shit right in the middle of the street. Uh, got, got back. Do you guys hear that? Fucking Navy SEAL. Shit him fucking yeah. self. Yeah, shit, shit, shit myself, right? Almost, almost shit myself. <laughs> But uh, at any rate, um, this fucking flag above your fucking head, that's what you did mm-hmm. all your fucking life when you served fucking your country, right? Mm-hmm. Tell fucking American people it how was, much, how much is fucking simple. Yeah. Very simply is, is it was an honor to be put in a position to be able to do it. Not everybody gets to, I view service to this country as a fucking, as a, as a luxury. Because not everybody is suited for it. Not everybody has the opportunity to do it. To be given the opportunity to go over there and, and do the best uh, to our ability, uh, I was very honored to be put in that position. You know, and, I, and to do it all over again, I would, I would go right the fuck back and do it all over, okay. right over again. Another question, which is your answer. Future car. Mm-hmm. You push the bottom, and it's going to take you fucking 20 years do you think you can uh, fucking do something different? You if you go back in your history? Would, would I do something different? Yeah. No. I mean, I wouldn't. You mean as do a country? Do you think you missed something? No. I don't ever you look have at, to do it? I don't ever look at life that way. Uh, I, I don't have regrets. I don't look at things and say, I should have done this. I, I, I am who I am. Regrets? No. I have a few. I don't. And it's only few to mention. Yeah. You know, this fucking uh, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one of your regrets. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> regrets. I have a few and it's yeah. only few yeah. to mention. Yeah. As, you, as you're sure. Yeah. Thank you. No no worries. I, I like Hey, the, uh, we move with from I like, I like Johnny to Mikey. I like, I like the hey guys, reversal. Love yeah. you so much, yeah. but because it's fucking Mikey show. It's yeah. my fucking brother's show. I can do whatever I want to do. I, I, I appreciate the role reversal there briefly. It's uh, it's nice to be on the other side of the mic, so I appreciate it. Uh, 
I would like to get into your safety and, and how it was uh, compromised pretty significantly. The more you worked with SEALs, the, the harder it was on your family um, and the more shit you guys had to endure because of what you were doing for a living. And I want to read a quick, uh, quick excerpt from your book that kind of exemplifies the difference between uh, good and evil. And, and this, is, this is one of my favorite things from your book, frankly, uh, is, is how this is worded. Thank you. As their leaders gained more experience, they did a better job of planning and training. Eventually, they become practice killers. Killers, not warriors. Warriors fight for the goal of peace. Warriors fight so things can be built. The insurgents fought to destroy. The profound difference touches deep into the soul. If you are a killer and not a warrior, you have no problem using a woman or a child to get what you want. You do not worry about that person dying. The life of the innocent is nothing to you. A warrior risks his life to protect the innocent. To me, that the, the way that you describe the difference between insurgents and, and us who were there is, is amazingly well put. Um, and, and to me, like, can you tell me what it was like having to deal with, with those people, with your family being out in town and you having to go back and forth? And, and what, what can you tell us about that? So let's go back to United States. 200 years ago, mm-hmm. how much you guys pay? Oh, I mean, everything. Like the revolution, I mean, it was hundreds. A heavy, heavy price. And blood. Same thing with me. Yeah. It's, I'm not exaggerating about myself. And I told you, I'm just the one who is fucking doing his job. The real hero is my wife. And we called her, but you know, American woman. What she said? <laughs> yeah, she told you to fuck off. I'm busy. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm leaving, right? So. Yeah, just for a little context, we tried to call uh, his wife and she basically said to, to piss off. Uh, we were trying to get her to to you know, tell one of the stories of, of when they left Mosul. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of synopsize some of the the missions i want to save it for uh the people that have not read this book go out and fucking buy it because it's phenomenal uh and i don't want to tell all the stories from it but there's a a a recurring theme that i saw that that i was very very impressed with your ability to you know kind of bullshit your way through finding who the jackpot and for those of you listening that aren't aware the jackpot is the the person that you know when seals are going out and and looking for these high value targets the jackpot is that person and so johnny's ability to uh distinguish you know who the guys are lying and and who has fake ids versus not like some of the can can you tell us just one of the stories where one one of them in particular was in a mosque with 20 people but pick whatever story sticks out in your mind is is your ability to, to to find who who the bad guy was so we have fucking big mission. Ranger fucking uh, clear the fucking mo- big mosque in Iraq and uh, Baghdad. Seals fucking clear the fucking uh, building. And Delta Force, the best of the best, uh, find the jackpot. And at that time, it's fucking weird time to me because it's fucking during the day and I have fucking weird feeling. Like, what the fuck? We have to fucking get out. And I start fucking complaining and the fucking chief, 
He asked me, what the fuck, Johnny, what's up? I told him, hey, just fucking tell the fucking Delta Force to give me fucking 10 minutes and I will find the fucking jackpot. He says, are you sure? I told him, fuck you, yeah. So, all right. Boom. He called them and they says, yeah, bring fucking Johnny Walker. So I think Delta Force, they think Johnny Walker, fucking nerd, fucking stupid Francisco guy. So I went there with all my fucking uh, gear and shit. And I told him, hey, it's my fucking show. You want the jackpot? I will give you the jackpot. But none of you fucking take care of my fucking show. All right, do it. I'll do it. So we catch fucking almost 20 male in that fucking mosque. And we have nothing. Only fucking one name. And the first name. I can't remember now. But it's only fucking one name. So I put two fucking team guys behind the guys and two team guys in the front of the line. So my plan is, I told the fucking Iraqis, we captured him in the fucking mosque, hey, we have information, false information, that you guys have five, six fucking car bombs. And of course, they have nothing, so they feel safe. And I told him, I'm Iraqi government, American forces, friendly American forces, they bring me in to apologize to you. So I'm kind of announced names. Everyone I call his name. I'm going to give him money and apology letters from United States of America. So I call one, two, three. Oh, I I remember the name. The name is Abu Sajjad. So I announce five names. And when I reach to... Abu Sajjad, I says, Abu Sajjad, he stepped one step to the front. I was like, okay, jackpot. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. Good. And we capture him. Yeah. He's the one who is in charge of killing fucking at least 200 fucking Sunnis people. Yeah. And he is in charge of boiling. You know boiling? Boiling, yeah. One kid, he's five years old, he boil him in fucking big fucking plate just because his name fucking Omar. He put him in fucking plate and he boil him. Jesus, fuck. So. There sorry. are, no, but the... Uh the uh, the amount of things that you've been through over there um, are are really really difficult, uh, if not impossible, for American citizens to understand, realize, or, or frankly even fucking imagine. Fucking five years old. What would you like the American people to know as it relates to stories like that? Just fucking appreciate what you have. Love people around you. Yeah. And when you wake up. Think what you have. Yeah. Don't be fucking ignorance. Yeah. What happened in Libya? It's not about fucking my brother killed, but it's about our blood. 
we forget and we lost a lot of fucking people behind us. And this is not what this fucking nation built. Mm-hmm. We never fucking left someone behind. You talk about your, your brother um, in, ending up being murdered because he was supplying bread to, to the Americans. Uh, can you tell us about when you heard about that and how, how difficult it was to stay focused on, on the mission uh, when that happened? It's uh, like we said before, freedom price is not, it's not money. So have to be fucking blood and we pay the price. And as my family, uh, we pay the price, not me, fucking pussy. My brother, he fucking pay the price. My wife, she fucking paid the price. I'm just one. Uh, I'm just the fucking guy who was fucking telling the silly. Well, I think that that's a very humble way to approach it. But uh, there are a, a shitload of brothers of ours who are alive because of of the work that you did. So I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't feel right letting you overshadow that. Mikey, we did what we uh, supposed to do. You know well, that. Well, you you, ki- you kicked its ass over and over, and and I know that. There's a lot of guys that you and I both know that uh, that would that would do anything for you, and that says everything that, that it needs to. But as we get get closer to wrapping this up, uh, I would like to hear about you know the story that that your wife was going to tell. But uh, to me, that that was one that really stuck out as being in, incredible to have to deal with. But you know, she got to a point where it was so dangerous in Mosul while you were now down in Baghdad working still with the SEALs and doing countless missions to where. Uh, without even you knowing about it, she fled Mosul and, and the the trials and tribulations and that escapade going from there down to, to get closer to you in Baghdad where she was uh, pulled over to militia checkpoint. Can you can you tell us that? Yeah, I will. I will do my best. So uh, she left fucking Mosul without telling me with four kids. And that's why I called her as, as my fucking hero. Mm-hmm. by herself, had no weapon, had no pistol, no AK, no grenade, no seals, no ear support, nothing. When I go with the fucking seals, I have everything. Damage this fucking village, done. Kill everyone. Or I can kill anyone I want, which is, I never did that. But my point is, I have all the powerful. She had nothing. Most of the people, they uh, they lost the faith. My wife, she's not. She has powerful. She has the faith of love. Loving me. Shit. I'm not fucking good husband. I fucking cheat a lot. She crossed three fucking checkpoints and every checkpoint is fucking deadly like between 10 there's no fucking 10 there's only one point you can lose your life or you can save she passed it (laughs) one of the fucking funny things she told me she said end of the day I uh, 
when I face the death, and as everyone know, fucking death is fucking our friend or our fucking enemy. She said, I want to die with my fucking kids. I want to die. And I want to die before my fucking kids. I never fucking reached to that fucking level. When I have a fucking mission, yeah, I want to fucking die before my fucking brothers, but before my fucking kids. So she's, she's the hero. The, the way that, that that trip from Mosul down to Baghdad to, to be closer to you, the way that it's portrayed and outlined in the book is fucking gut-wrenching. You know, as a, as a father and, and uh, you know, having been married myself, at, you know, to, to try as, to imagine that, I can't. As mother. Yeah, I just, like, it, it, it is. She wished to fucking die. Yeah. And she don't want to see her kids mm-hmm. die before her. Yeah. is ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. It's fucking American dream. Yeah. And that's something you, you didn't know until way after the fact. You're yeah. writing the book when she finally told you that story, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's heart-wrenching. Uh, for those of you that hadn't read the book uh, and that you're going to, you know, that, that part of the story is incredibly gripping and powerful. And, and again, just I keep highlighting perspective is that uh, – you know, the perspective that this book brings to me and should bring to people uh, is, is very, very important. Um, she gets down there. Um, you guys are in a cramped apartment, and then you finally get a house still, you know, waiting on paperwork and the, and the whole process to get you uh, with, you know, Tat in the book, uh, you know, is, is working for years uh, back in the States trying to make all of this happen of, of you making that switch, um, you know, to decide to come over here. Can you kind of walk us through that process of uh, when you decided, you know what, yeah, I am going to come to America and, and how, how tough it was waiting while that, that process was taking place? So uh, at the beginning is, is my country and I have to be uh, part of the tools to liberate and fucking free my country. And Seals, my brothers, they asked me a lot, hey, you have to fucking move your ass to the United States. They know something I don't know in that time. So anyway, I refuse. And until one day, I went back to my fucking house. And most Landon, you guys think when I go back to my house, it's like fucking I'm in fucking Las Vegas in vacation. No. It's only fucking tiny room, second floor. And I have my fucking AK, my grenade, RBG, and fucking stand by if anyone fucking want to attack us. I look at my kids, the kids, they have no fucking life. Nothing. They cannot fucking even go to the fucking candy shop next door. No school, nothing. And... I'm drinking that time, of course, every time. I called fucking uh, Tushin, Jason Tushin. I told him, brother, because I told him before, I'm not moving from my country. Because if I move, who's gonna fucking leave Iraq too? I called fucking Tushin. I told him, Tushin, can I move to United States? 
do you think I have fucking uh, chance? And two, she's like, no fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. Big time to him. Yeah. And it's taken us fucking three years. Mm-hmm. From 2006 to 2009, until that fucking shit happened. And 2009, we left Iraq. I wish my wife, she's not busy. She's American citizen, not me. She is uh, in college in San Diego, 36 for member, not me. <laughs> so anyway, fucking tuition. Everyone fucking listen to fucking our broadcast. Our broadcast, right? It's not you. <laughs> I'll share it with you today. Thank you. Fucking uh, Master Chief. Warrior, being in the war for thousand years, thousand fucking years as warriors, and everyone here can say is fucking Johnny. He's fucking drunk. He says thousand years, but for fucking age warrior, thousand years is like five fucking second. So anyway, when we land, me and my fam- family, Jason Tushin, he starts crying. American, Christian, redneck, whatever you fucking call him, he starts fucking crying about fucking Muslim family, land in fucking United States. And he says, one of the fucking positive things about 9-11, I have my brother, Johnny Walker. Hmm. So. This whole process is one that. Uh... Amazing things. Yeah, it is, it is, it's remarkable. It's, it's fucking touched my life. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's touched and, mine. And this is one of the reasons why this is fucking greatest nation. And this is why people, they own the respect, not the fucking politics. Yeah. I, uh, I'll be the first to admit that when I read um, that he, he started crying on the tarmac, I, I got choked up at the at the gravity of, of how much you and your family and, and the teams and everybody went through to get you to that point. And it was, uh, it was an emotional read for me. One of the neatest things that I think some people may not, not see it, uh, at face value, but, uh, the, you know, kind of the, one of the first things you did once you were here in the States is that you went to target and, uh, and bought a bunch of shit at target, right? No, I bought one things from target. But to me, I guess the, the just to prove to myself is like that you're here. I'm fucking legal. I'm yeah. fucking yeah. I, to me, it it really exemplifies the the perspective thing that I that I hope people are are gathering from this episode is that the perspective that we have here is very sheltered in terms of what what it's really like in a lot of other places in the world, uh, and if nothing else, uh, I hope that that they take away from that that. Uh, that this is the greatest country on the planet and, and the opportunity provided here is, is second to none and, and it should be appreciated. Mike, let's go back. You know me, I'm an old fucking typical fucking guest, right? Yeah, in more ways than one, my man. Let's fucking go back. You fucking pay my ticket, right? Mm-hmm. And I came here. For what? Fucking Muslim. Just to prove the fucking point 
we're still the fucking great nation. Mm-hmm. We have it in our fucking heart. Do whatever you want to do. In one condition. Love this fucking country. Have this fucking flag. Have this fucking trident. Have this fucking hat. It's in your fucking hand. Do you know how much money? You know, me and Tushin, we have fucking uh, speech engagement, right? Mm-hmm. Like next month, we can have a speech engagement with fucking rich motherfucker, right? They are not fucking richer than me. Do you know why? Because of what you have. Book? Fuck the book. I don't give a shit. Mine or less. It's fucking only fucking book. But I am the fucking only one. I have fucking tried in this chest. How much money? Well, you, can't buy, you can't buy that. Who's fucking richest? Yeah. Guy. Me. Yeah. I have to brag about myself now. Yeah. What, what, I am the fucking richest guy yeah. in the fucking world. What, uh, what does it mean to be essentially an American? What, what does that mean to you and your family, for you and your family? What do you think? I, I want your words. You on. ask me and you know the answer. What do you think? We met today, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do I think it means to you? I'd say everything. Yes, sir. I wish every day. Every time you talk with my daughter, Fatima, right? Mm-hmm. I wish I deserved to live th- to this country. Yeah. I try to be a better person every day. I love that uh, in keeping in, in with that tradition is that now you and and your wife, uh, or at least in terms of the book, are, are teaching language. Hey, and My wife, she's fucking American citizen, yeah. bro. Yeah. Yeah. I, can you talk she a little bit about a, what you guys she are doing? She kicks out. Yeah. <laughs> she boots your ass out. She deport you. The uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now in terms of teaching uh, teaching language and, and continuing what what you started doing? Yeah, working with uh, special forces, uh, amazing people, and I don't know. It's fucking amazing things like the way how. People listening to you and appreciate you when they know who you are. Like I work with SEALs and I'm working with special forces now. And all the people like, oh shit, Johnny Walker, you're part of the family. They don't give a shit about, oh, you're fucking work with SEALs, Seth. No, they just like appreciate what you did. Mm -hmm. And they just want to, have benefit from your experience to put it in those guys who's going to fucking goes overseas to save lives. It's amazing. Yeah. And one of the f- people, I love to mention his name, uh, he is uh, Sergeant Mata. He's Asian guy. He's Sergeant Major. He offer everything just to make fucking the project fucking successful. Yeah. Amazing people. Yeah. I, I think it's awesome that uh, that you've continued. You, you know, like yeah. me and you. Yeah. We have like that fucking sensitive fucking mm-hmm. special forces. Fuck them. <laughs> Seals, fuck them. You know? Yeah. We don't have it. Yeah. We have it in certain point, but end of the day, 
we can have one fight. Yeah. That's good shit. I, I love that you're still still teaching and, uh, and still helping out and, and making a huge impact, uh, you know, way above and beyond what uh, what you did over there. So thank you for uh, continuing to help. I appreciate it. Of course, Beth. Uh, I'd like to, the last excerpt I would like to read, my time with the SEALs, my days in the war affected me in ways I don't even understand. I'm reminded of a sculptor who works scraping stone for five years, getting his sculpture just right. At the end of that five years, his hands are bent with the exertion against the stone. He has created a great work of art, but what has he done to his hands? So to me, that quote exemplifies the message that I gathered from this book. Uh, and the message that, uh, to answer your question, uh, is that what I want people to, to understand from this book is that there's been an enormous sacrifice on America's part and especially on Iraqis such as yourselves part uh, for something that uh, we hear all the time, uh, but it, it is very, very poignant in that freedom is not free. It's expensive as fuck. It's the most expensive thing on the planet. But for and the love what, of fuck, what, it, it what is the worth price, it. What's the price of the freedom? It, it's everything. Freedom? Yeah. It, the it, only it, price it, is fucking blood. Mm-hmm. You have to fucking pay blood. Yeah, it's expensive. To enjoy to fucking, and the most expensive fucking price. Yeah. And that's why we are the best nation in the world. Yeah. We, because as fucking great nation, mm-hmm. we pay fucking blood. Yeah. Like imagine how much we pay blood in Iraq. Yeah, I, uh, I hear what you're saying, 100%. Um, to wrap this up, uh, what I hope every every listener has before I let you uh, with the final comment is uh, what I gathered from this book is, is perspective. Uh, I hope everybody reads it. Uh, as, as I always say, uh, if you haven't read it, fucking choke yourself, then go out, buy the book, and read it. It is an amazing story, one that I, at least as I'm told, is being adapted for a movie. I, I hope that it is. I hope that it comes out because uh, it's it's an exceptional story, one that needs to be told, uh, and one that uh, I have no doubt that every American citizen uh, would would gain uh, in actually fucking reading it and uh, spending some time reflecting on it. I can't thank you enough for being here, uh, and I would like to to give you the last word before I uh, do the closing uh, closing statement. Be proud. Be proud. You're fucking American. Amen. That's it. Yeah. No more, no less. Amen. Um, if you are not, fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> choke yourself. Fuck yourself. Choke yourself. Do both. Yeah. Maybe choke yourself while you're, you're fucking, fucking yourself. You're fucking American. <laughs> it's fucking big deal. Amen. For for all the listeners listening, if they want to uh, follow you on social media or, or contract you for uh, the speaking stuff, where can they find you? They can talk with Jason. So contact. All right. So we'll, yeah. we'll put some links up on... Uh, on the site to, to get you ingrained with that. But, uh, Hey bro, thank yeah, you. Yeah. You're fucking good people. Yeah, yeah. I love you. I uh, love you too, brother. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule. I'm, I'm honored to have you here. And, and, uh, to me, it's, it's been an amazing story to read and, and, uh, to be able to sit down and get your perspective on things, which is really refreshing. And, and one that I, I hope most people can take a lot away from. Uh, so thank you for coming. Just fucking shut up, man. I appreciate it. I'm not going to shut up. This is my show. God damn it. All right, so uh, one thing I wanted to, to present to you, um, I know from reading the book that you're a Hemingway fan, right? So before you go, I uh, took the liberty of 
finding a, a book. Uh, it's a leather-bound book with four of, of Hemingway's stories, uh, one of which is The Old Man and the Sea, which you reference in, uh, in the book. I wanted to, to give that to you, as well as some, uh, some stories about some of these Cuban cigars that you had, had trouble choking down uh, also in the book to, to send you with as a, as a token of my appreciation for coming. So I appreciate it, my man. Can I sell something, too? Yeah. All right. Thanks for having me. And Michael, I love you, brother. Love you too, my man. You fucking tell the truth. And that's what we need. Truth. Not fucking bullshit. Thank you. I appreciate that. It means, uh, means the world coming from you. So thank you love much. Love you, brother. All right. Likewise. All right, folks. Uh, until next time, uh, thank you again for, uh, for all your support. And this is Mike Drop. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Ask Sherwin-Williams during the Endless Summer Sale, September 1st through the 11th, and get 30% off paints and stains with prices starting at $31.14. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.